0: Welcome to the Feedback Force podcast, the game design analysis podcast of the End Defender community. I'm Kelso. And I'm Kyla.
1: And I'm Kara,
0: And... uh, We're back. uh, Yeah, I don't have anything interesting to say. We're back. Good job. Yep.
2: It's been a week, like most other weeks, or two weeks, I guess.
0: Basically, yeah.
1: Like most other two weeks.
2: I guess the World Cup finals were between uh, this and the previous recording.
0: (laughs) People care about those.
1: Yeah, that's... I mean, I care.
0: Yeah, it's it's funny because, like, uh, football, non-American football, slash soccer, is not a sport that Americans care about until now, or until... Until it's a big thing, and then they go, it's like, it's like the Tour de France, uh, or like any weird niche sports in the Olympics, where suddenly everyone becomes, like, a huge fan of that thing for, like, two days, and then stops. (laughs) It's yeah, it's like, oh, a thing's going on, okay. It's 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 such an interesting... Tour de
1: France, America has, like, cyclists, right?
2: Yeah, yeah. Yeah.
1: I, no, mean, I mean, Lance Armstrong compete, is an We usually
2: compete in these things, but we don't care that much
0: about them. <laughs> Yeah, like, we compete in them, but the average person, I think, doesn't, like, follow the sport or have any real uh, stake in, like, their favorite athletes, so... Mm-hmm. But, Carl, as someone who, yeah. who
2: cared about the, the World Cup, how did you feel about the outcome?
1: Um, it was good. It was really... I thought it was really weird because, like, all the good teams were on one side of the bracket. <laughs> so as a Swedish person, we were sort of hoping, like, we're not gonna get a better chance than this to get to the final.
2: <laughs> <laughs> okay. That makes sense. How did, uh... How did Sweden do?
1: Um... We lost in the quarterfinals.
2: That's still pretty good. That's pretty high up there. Yeah. Uh um... Yeah, no, I, I, like, the, it was a big enough deal, I guess, that my office, um like, one of the conference rooms upstairs was just, like, had the game running and people could, like, come by and watch it on the projector screen, so. And
1: a I lot mean, of it's, were... it's fun to just for someone.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I remember a couple weeks ago I was, um, I went over and visited my oldest stepbrother and his family, just because they live, like, an hour away. Um, and they're always inviting me to go do stuff. with them, So I'm like, I gotta go do it occasionally. So I was over there and I, I spent the night, uh, and then they were like watching a game in the morning and I was like, well, I'm going to leave you guys to your, uh, Saturday morning cartoons for adults and it'll be good. But I mean, they, they lived in London for like a lot of years, so it makes sense. It makes sense for them to care.
2: Yeah, the British got pretty far this year as well, right? Yeah.
1: Yeah, they beat us. Yeah. In the quarterfinals. I see. Yeah. Uh, I
2: knew, I knew that like, they were in the semi-finals, and I know that the finals was France versus Croatia? Yes? Okay. Yeah. And that France won. And that's about all I know. (laughs) about the world cup um the the more exciting thing for me completely unrelated to that uh is sometime this week the uh the couple that i often cat sit for are getting a brand new puppy oh so
0: so i'm excited for this puppy oh man you're gonna be excited until you have to puppy sit (laughs) And then you're going to be mad.
2: I've puppy sat before, and <laughs> yeah. you only, like, have to deal with the annoying parts of their puppy for, like, you know, a weekend at a time or whatever, whereas they have to deal with it all the time. Yeah. And other people's puppies are the best.
0: Yeah, that's true. I had to puppy sit for, like, like a week at a time sometimes with two other dogs and two cats. <laughs> oh, God. Our, the puppy is still... man... She really likes to chew on (coughs) rugs. Oh no. But she's, she's good. She's getting better. She's recovered from her, uh, from her spaying too, so that's nice. They were, we were worried about that because she like, man, she doesn't slow down. Uh, (laughs) They were like really worried about, you know, tearing her stitches or whatever, but that didn't happen, so. Yeah, too
2: active for
0: too active surgery recovery. Yeah, too active and like they the vets gave them sedatives for her, but they're like, we don't want to give the dog sedatives, which is you know understandable. Yeah. So
2: well, I'm glad that she recovered.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: They are they are getting um, a Finnish Laphund, woo, uh, which is apparently like a reindeer herding breed. Um, but they are known for being like very intelligent and incredibly eager to please, so they're very easy to train.
0: Oh man, that's a good looking dog. I just googled I it. I
2: know they oh. are also really freaking adorable and fluffy.
0: It's like a cross between a Pomeranian and like a husky.
2: Yeah.
0: And that's an amazing combination. <laughs> yeah. Oh, they are geez. pretty great
2: looking dogs. They had uh, they had an interesting thing because like um she wanted a dog that would be like really, um, just friendly and adorable, and he wanted a dog that would be smart and also dignified, <laughs> and so, because, like, he didn't want to get, you know, like, one of those tiny, silly dogs that would be, that's sort of, like, hilarious, but, like, weird. Like
0: the, the court jester dog, yeah.
2: Yeah, like a pug or whatever. Yeah. Um, so the compromise they reached was, uh, Finnish lapund and... It's a pretty good combination of those things.
0: Okay, this is uh, this is going to be a a complete non sequitur conversation. If you could get any breed of dog, what breed of dog would you get?
2: <sighs> so hard. Um.
0: Like, and just just assuming that like you lived in the proper environment for it and till, you can take yeah, care of like, it properly and, could, and all yeah. that.
2: I don't know. I'm pretty partial to like. So, my, my main rule is that the dog has to be small enough that it can't, like, knock me over by jumping up on me. Right? So, yeah. like, medium and down. Um, and I would want a dog that's cute and smart. Um, maybe, like, a, a Border Collie or, like, an Australian Shepherd uh, or something like that.
0: Australian Some, Shepherds are good.
2: They are good. They're friendly and very smart.
0: I also, I saw a Border Collie today. We went yeah. we went to, there's like a, a little local arts festival thing this weekend. So I saw a Border Collie and I saw a Golden Doodle and I saw a German Shepherd wearing dog goggles. He was wearing goggles. Oh. I don't know why, but he was. To protect his eyes, apparently. I, I guess from all the art. Cool. <laughs> yeah, that's probably it for the rad um
2: yeah no i most of the most of the working breeds like the herding dogs and stuff tend to be pretty smart yeah so i like i would i really love the way that like some dogs look like shiba inus and palms and to some extent pugs and french bulldogs but um like a lot of them are either a like with the Shiba Inu, like, really aloof and supposedly, like, not actually very good pets because they're, they kind of are stubborn and they're, they're more like cats than dogs, so Mm -hmm. if you're getting it to have a dog, um, and then, but with things like pugs and French Bulldogs, I'm kind of opposed
0: to the breeding, the breeding
2: process, yeah. yeah, of, like, making a dog that's just so unable to survive in the world that it has, like, breathing problems and things like that, like, yeah. I don't. I, I would probably honestly, if I was going to get a dog, I would go to a shelter and just rescue a mutt. Yeah, exactly. Like,
0: yeah, like that's that's like what I would practically do. But, but there are also like a lot of weird breeds that I'm like, yes, I want one. <laughs> like weird, <laughs> are... very specific breeds.
2: There are some pretty awesome ones, to be yeah. fair. Do you have one in mind
0: that would be your top choice? Yes. It would be, okay, I don't, I don't know, maybe, maybe you have heard of this. It's called a, uh, a, uh, Kongol Shepherd. They, so it's a, um, like a herding, like livestock protection dog that the breed originates in Turkey. And their, their primary function was, was slash is to protect livestock from fucking bears. (laughs) <laughs> and they, I guess they get, they, like, are pretty commonly exported to, like, Africa to protect her that's there a, that's against... A giant dog. Yeah, to protect livestock against, like, big cats. And they're fucking huge. Like, a baby is the size of a full-grown, like, golden retriever. <laughs> Basically, oh, they're just, they're just, like, big, big boys. But they're, they're supposed to be pretty smart, and they're, like... Loyal to their family unit and like friendly to their family unit, but then also like good protection dogs. And I just, man, I just, I want a, a big boy.
2: Oh, the one that's kind of mastiff looking y with the curly tail there? Yeah.
0: You're kind of okay. riding one of those. They, yeah, they are. There is in fact a picture of a little boy riding one of those yeah. among the Google Image. Search yeah, results. like I'm small. I'm like five foot three. I could probably, I could probably ride a big enough one. That would that's, that would be irresponsible. But. That's
2: one of those dogs, like when you actually see a wolf in context and you go, "Holy shit, wolves are actually enormous!" Yeah. Uh, and uh, there are a few dogs like that. Um, the like Irish Wolfhound, um, or the the there's a, an Elk Hound as well. Mm-hmm. I forget um, where they're from, but like yeah, the, that are like just you see them and you go, "Like that's a dog." <laughs> like that is enormous.
0: Yeah. But I know I know the a congo is like a pipe dream because you basically have to have a ranch. <laughs> so,
2: yeah. I read that um want to say the Tibetan mastiff uh has become very popular in China because it is an enormous dog, and so owning one is a sign of status because you're saying like, I have enough land and space to raise a dog that's this big, and like, care for this dog. Interesting. So it's like a status <laughs> symbol to have this really huge dog. Huh. Ah,
0: yeah, I guess it makes sense. Also, it's funny that you brought up Shiba Inu's because um, my, my boyfriend like, frequently tells me that he's gonna get an Akita, and he's gonna, and he's gonna train the Akita to love only him and not me, um, <laughs> and I'm like, dude, that's not, like, you you don't that's not the kind of dog you want if you want a dog that loves you, because Akitas are like they're like cousins to Shiba Inus, so yeah,
2: they're basically big Shiba Inus. Yeah,
0: <laughs> it's. Just, I just, yeah. I like the I mean, the concept of training a dog to not love your spouse or, like, significant other. I actually think,
2: like, that's probably a pretty good choice for that, because I think part of the aloofness is they tend to bond with, like, one person and not, like, a lot of other people.
0: That's probably much, true.
2: Much like parrots. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, maybe he could do that.
0: <laughs> we're just gonna, I mean, we're have gonna have, like, rival you. dogs.
2: Oh man, the, the mental image when you said that. I just pictured like two dogs with crazy anime hair, like <laughs> facing in opposite directions. Yes!
1: It's <laughs> Pokemon.
2: Yeah. Basically. Ah uh, yes, my <laughs> rival, Doge!
0: Uh, I came here to woof at you.
3: Uh, <laughs> uh
0: sorry. Um, Such competition. <laughs> uh. Very. Carl, what's your dog? What what's your um, pick? Your poison. A cat. Okay. <laughs> That's fair.
2: I mean, I'm not a
1: dog person.
2: Yeah. I would I would probably go for a cat before I would go for a
1: dog. Um, or maybe like a cat-like dog.
0: You could get yeah. like one you of you could the... get a Shiba. <laughs> yeah, or you could get like a, a one of the really bi- like a Maine Coon I think are supposed to be like huge. Oh, yeah. Or what are the other huge cat, like Siberian forest cats I think are supposed to be, no is it, Norwegian forest cat, Norwegian forest cats, I think are supposed to be like large boys.
2: (laughs) If what you want out of your pet is that it is large.
0: (laughs) I'm trying to come up with like a good balance between dog and cat. So yeah, the, the think... best thing I could think of is just a large cat.
2: <laughs> yeah, she well, Shibas Shebas are very cat-like dogs. Apparently, mm-hmm. um, also foxes, I guess, are somewhere in the middle. But you shouldn't keep foxes. Yeah,
1: that's no.
0: I, mean. I, I I think I remember. I think the Papillon dogs—they're like, oh, they have like the big ears, the
2: butterfly ears. Yeah.
0: yeah, I think those are supposed to be kind of cat-like too. But I I could. I I could just be pulling that out of my ass. Um. They
2: are, uh, they are the among the small yappy breeds. Yeah, I do love their like crazy ears, though.
0: Yeah, I, you know, I I like big big boys, but I've sort of like over the course of my life come around on small yappy dogs just because I've been really lucky with the small yappy dogs that have like that I've been uh, exposed to, I guess. Like, my dad once dated a woman who had three Yorkshire Terriers. <laughs> yeah. And and two of them were shit. But one of them, the one where she was like, be careful with that dog because he's a little temperamental and, like, can be snappy. Me and that dog got along great because <laughs> we were both, like, just, like, it's cool. I can be in the same room with you and, like, it's not just a big deal. Out, yeah, yeah, like, he would just, like, come and, like, Curl up next to me while I was playing video games, and it was great. That's cool. Very and chill then, dog. Yeah, and then like I don't know, there been there's been a good Pomeranian and a good Chihuahua, also. So also, if
2: you got a Pomeranian, you could name it
3: Missile.
0: Yes, that's After also that's also a thing. <laughs> After one of the best video game dogs of all time. God, Ghost Trick is such a good game. <laughs> <laughs> I wish, I wish that it had been... Wait, actually, let me let me fact check myself here. Because I think... Okay, yeah, I was going to say, I wish it had gotten ported to anything but iOS, like, because I would love to play it again. Yeah. And I don't... I don't on, know where of, my DS is. Speaking
2: of stuff that's on iOS, I just found out today that, uh, there are four games in the Room series. Um... Which I had, I had previously only known about the first two. And I'm like, oh, there's a sequel to The Room. Or there's, like, another sequel to The Room. And it turns out there are two more sequels to The Room. And I'm like, oh, man! I, I need to get, like, a tablet that can actually play that
0: game. I don't know if I know what The Room is. Oh, no, I do know what this is. Okay.
2: Yeah, it's the, like, uh, sort of Lovecraftian horror, like, puzzle box game.
0: Yeah. That- uh,
2: that's all about, like, touch interface stuff. And mm-hmm. is really, really good as a, like... Mobile touch interface game.
0: Does that have? Oh, I guess it is on Android. Hmm. Yeah,
2: I think I I assume it probably is. I assume it was for all mobile.
0: Some some yeah, it's like a lot of. I feel like a lot of those early mobile games were like only on iOS, um, Mm -hmm. at least at a time.
1: Oh, yeah, iOS had a way easier. Yeah, but like easier to get stuff on iOS.
2: I would not want to play it on Steam, to be honest. I can't imagine playing it on Steam, because it is so touch-native, like, it, there's so much about it that, like, really just begs to be played with touch controls. Yeah. That
0: see, but, that, but the thing is, I, I do have a tablet monitor now.
2: Ooh! Okay, so you could play I it could, on... So,
0: like, I, I'm, I'm interested in, in those kinds of games, just just to see how well they function played on a tablet monitor. I just haven't really, like, delved into that. Except for the time we played Mushroom Eleven. Eleven. <laughs> Thank you for knowing. Huck, Huck always gets the number wrong. Also, I always want to say thirteen. I know it's a prime number. Huck that's... always wants to say seven. Like, <laughs> right? I mean, it's you know it's a prime number and that's it. But like yeah, I played that um, on just like a regular drawing tablet before I had an actual like pen monitor. Um, nice. I mean, it's five yeah. bucks, man. I might as well. The room. The yeah. one
2: thing, the one thing about the room that I'm not sure would work for that is that I know there's at least one puzzle in the original. Um, I think it's only one, but um, there's one puzzle that uses the gyroscope. Oh. So hmm. I don't know, like, but they, I mean, they released it for PCs, so they have
0: to have an alternative. Yeah. Uh,
1: like. Or they expect system, you to but... have a gyro in your monitor. <laughs>
0: yeah. yeah. <laughs> that would be a little excessive. Like I don't they, even. They played
2: it for mostly walking, even though it's not really an adventure game. It's it's a puzzle game.
1: Mm.
2: Um, it has some adventure gamey sort of elements to it, I guess. There's yeah. a little bit of like you have these many things in your inventory. Like, uh, try pressing the thing against all other things on the table.
0: Oh yeah, classic. The classic yeah. mechanic.
2: But it's it's not that bad. They they do a pretty good job of like getting rid of your old inventory stuff when you don't need it anymore and uh, and things like that. I would say as a first resort whenever you get stuck, if you ever feel like you're stuck, always like inspect the things in your inventory because mm-hmm. there's a tons there's a ton of times when the thing you have to do is actually like fiddle with the thing in your inventory and like extend it into a different shape, or open it, or find the secret compartment on the side of it, or anything like that. And I always forget that you can interface mm. with things in your inventory,
0: Yeah. so, like, that's a good, uh, that's
2: a good place to go looking if you're
0: stuck. Yeah, that's, like, that's a good tip. Because, yeah, like, there, there are not, like, I'm struggling to come up with examples of being able to interact with an item on its own. Yeah. With, like, from your inventory, so...
2: Yeah, and it that, like that is true in some adventure games, but like where it's like, you know, you got this envelope and then you interact with it. It's like you open the envelope and now you have a letter or whatever. But yeah. Yeah.
1: Now you have to read. Yeah, now the you have to read the
0: letter. Man, speaking of uh writing letters and diaries also, both of those things
2: featured prominently in the games that we played? Yes. <laughs> Uh, Very nice, good job, Kelso. yeah, I
0: did it this time,
2: <laughs> yeah, so for this for our game for this two week span, we played two games um because we're uh unexpected, crazy. yeah, we're unexpected and cool that way, yeah, um, so we played a survey of the walking simulator genre um I didn't actually do I was gonna do research and double check if. Uh, Dear Esther was actually the game over which the term walking simulator was coined, uh, but I did not research that. So okay. I'm just going to pretend that is the case, and people can, like, correct me on Twitter if I'm wrong. Yeah. Uh, but, so, Dear Esther was a game released in, in uh, 2012 uh, to some controversy, like... Not an interesting controversy, kind of a dumb controversy, but, you know, the internet, what are you going to do? Um, where people were, like, upset that it was available on Steam because they considered it, like, not really a game. Um, and there is definitely, like, argument to be made for that. And we can talk about, you know, what constitutes a game if we really feel like that's a useful discussion. Mm-hmm. And all spoilers, it's not. Um,
0: yeah, exactly <laughs> uh,
2: And then we are playing uh, or Then we played What Remains of Edith Finch Which was released in 2017 To, as far as I know, much less controversy um, uh, But is in a similar sort of style It's a game that's primarily about walking around and exploring a space um, And we kind of wanted to see how the genre has evolved in those, in that, like, five-year time span. Uh, and I think it actually turned out to be a really interesting juxtaposition. Like, it is a good uh, indicator of kind of what has been learned about this sort of game between now and then, and what, um, I don't know, like, what other explorations have been done.
0: There were also more, um, like, because I'd played Dear Esther previously, like, a number of years ago, but I basically knew little to nothing about Edith Finch and there were a lot more uh, thematic parallels than I was expecting yeah. there to be so good job yeah. us
2: yeah good job us for picking that mostly blind
0: yeah
3: um,
2: <laughs> but it did actually happen to work out uh, quite well Um, there's also what, what year did Gone Home come out because I feel like Gone Home is an
1: was, important it third it place. was a year after yeah, 2013.
0: Okay. And I mean, if we want to be, like, like picky, I, I believe the mod version of Dear Esther came out in, like, 2008. Okay. So, but, but yeah, the, the, like, initial standalone release was uh
2: 2012. Okay. Well, that's, maybe it's more interesting to think of it as 2008, because yeah. then you have five years until... Gone Home comes out, and then four years until What Remains of Edith mm-hmm. Finch comes out. Yeah, and they're they're just really interesting data points along the same line.
3: Yeah.
2: Um, and I guess like, have we all played Gone Home? Carl, did you play Gone Home?
3: Yeah. Mm-hmm.
2: Okay. Yeah. So, because I, are, we, I know we played Tacoma, and I remember we talked a little bit about it when we played Tacoma. But yeah. Um. So yeah, maybe we can kind of bring a little bit of discussion. Uh, have gone home into this as well, even though it's not strictly speaking along, uh, like one of the games we played. Yeah.
0: Also, that's one thing that I was, uh, planning on doing and that I ended up not doing is actually playing the mod version of Dear Esther, um, but then I didn't do that, so. Yeah. <laughs> I did play. I like
1: it's just gonna be like a shitty version of Dear yeah. Esther.
0: Well, and that's the thing. I did play, um, Landmark edition for Dear Esther, which I think is like the like definitive edition that came out a few years after the initial release. Okay. Um, and then I played the initial version just to see if there were any like meaningful changes. And there are there are changes, but I don't I wouldn't say they're necessarily meaningful, except for the director's commentary, which I don't think is in the initial uh, okay. release.
2: Okay. I would be interested to hear the director's commentary um, because I guess let's get right into Dear Esther. Um, the thing about this game is that it's very vague. <laughs> yeah. It's,
1: a very like it's vague.
2: Yeah, it's mostly, like, allusions to things without, like, any any kind of concrete info about anything. Um, so, basically, you play as a character, um, a male narrator. Well, it's, it's unclear if you are the narrator. You play as a character who is washed up on the shore of this island... Uh, and making their way to um, this radio antenna that's like with a red light, this aerial that's like beeping, uh, that's or not beeping, but it's like it's, the light is blinking over in the distance. And at first it seems like a lighthouse, but as you get closer, it's uh, it's actually this aerial. Um, and all the while there is a male voice narrating, mostly in the second person to someone named Esther, uh, and. I guess there is it's unclear if you the player are playing as this narrator uh or not. I would say there are arguments to be made in both directions. Mhm. I would agree. Um but the the narrator has like this these a lot of these like really rambling and disconnected um, stories is maybe overly generous, just things to say uh, and as you encounter them in the landscape, they, they, they play you know as voiceover um, which is, I think, what has become kind of the walking simulator genre, is this idea of like, there is a physical space, you are touring your way through this physical space and you are finding bits of story, usually audio-based um, throughout the world as you go through Um, and in this case you go through, first you're on, like, uh, the shores of the island, then you're, like, a little more inland in this little bay where there's a wrecked ship, Um, then you're in a bunch of caves, um, and then you are out on the crag by the aerial, uh, and then you climb up the aerial, and then you jump off the aerial. Um, And that's, like, the whole journey. It's only, like, four sections, and all of them look pretty similar except the caves. Mm Mm-hmm um and so as you go there are these narration pieces and you learn a bit about a bunch of people so you learn that the narrator is a drunk driver i guess and that there is some kind of tragedy that happened presumably involving Edith Finch Esther. and that sorry yes
0: i'm, <laughs> yeah. I'm already i'm going to do this a lot i no, guarantee I, yeah. Yeah, yeah
1: me too yeah
0: they're both old woman names that start with E, so we have, yeah. we're screwed, basically. Yeah. Uh,
2: right, about Esther. And so, I think he was married to Esther, it sounds like.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Question mark. Um, and... and
1: we get no information, but it's, it's the go-to assumption. Yeah,
2: yeah. They, there's one story wherein the narrator talks about how they, like, you know, when they were young and they escape to this cabin together and there's also a a part where she like comes visit visit him in the hospital when he's got like kidney stones or something like that um so they were at least like close and knew each other maybe they were married unclear there was some kind of car accident um and she died it's unclear if the narrator was responsible or if this other guy Paul was maybe responsible who appears
0: in a lot of the stories? I I always thought that it was Paul who was responsible, and I... yeah. And I'm not sure, because there's... At one point, the narrator describes uh, that he was present at the time of the accident. He said that he... Um, it took 21 minutes for the ambulance to arrive. He watched Paul time it down to the second on his wristwatch. Yeah. Um, so I don't know if he was, like, in the car... Or if he just, like, happened to get there before the ambulance did because Paul called him or something, but...
1: Mm -hmm. (laughs) I I thought it was the narrative. Narrative. That was the driver.
2: Yeah, well, it's unclear because he... Like, so much of his angst is about, like, drinking and driving, and he seems to be a drunkard. Like, he calls those... Like, his vices are, like, fermented yeast and the um, combustion engine. Right, like, which implies, you know, it's it would be weird if he started drinking and driving after his wife was killed in a car accident, right? Like,
0: also I mean, also worth noting here that um the the narration points change with every playthrough, so you say. yeah I don't know how many of them change, but like because there are some that I got I played it twice over these couple of weeks, and there are some that I got um multiple times, and some were new on my second playthrough. So I think some of them are fixed and some of them aren't necessarily. But I did get the achievement for getting, like, every narration every point. Yeah.
2: Okay. So. That's interesting, because I was going to comment on the fact that the, like, supposedly embedded narrative that's supposed to like, like it doesn't match with what's what area you're in a lot of the time. Yeah. Like, it really feels like what what has become the the walking uh, sim genre tends to be very good about, like, you know, the information you get is based on where you are, and so you learn things about your surroundings, and you learn things from your surroundings. Whereas this, there's, like, one or two parts where it seems to be referring to something directly in the environment, Um, but then there's other times where, like, it has nothing to do with anything about the environment, or it has something to do with something that's actually elsewhere in the game. Yeah, like also,
1: there I, I read it. Some... Sorry, oh, go, first,
2: go on. Um, there's one about like I don't remember uh where I got the candles or something like that, and or why I lit all the candles. And at that point, I had not seen any candles, and I didn't see candles for at least another ten minutes.
0: Oh yeah, all the candles were in like the last part. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Um, what was I saying? Oh, yeah. Um, so it's a weird decision to change stuff between playthroughs, right? Because yeah. that implies that you want to do multiple playthroughs, which is incredibly weird to me in a walking simulator game. Yeah.
2: yeah. And especially, like, so this game is also... I would say, very slowly paced. Mm-hmm. Like, the, the pieces of the narrative, especially compared to Edith Finch, the pieces of the narrative are very spaced out. Like, you can sometimes be walking for quite a ways with okay. no narration. And you walk very slowly. So, like, it's... You can... And especially if you do something like... There's a couple areas where you can, like, fall down the bluffs into, like, a, a previous area of the game and then you have to walk all the way back. And nothing yeah. happens. While you do that, it's just silent, and I mean it's it's eerie and like the the atmosphere is very cool. Mm
3: -hmm. Um, Not fun,
2: but yeah, fun is not the word I would use to describe it. And I know there were a lot of articles that came out uh, at the time that were basically like, "Do games have to be fun?
0: Like, is you know?" (laughs) I remember those. Also, I pulled up, I pulled up the transcript of the game. There are four different monologues that can play at the very beginning when you first start. And then I'm looking through it and it looks like there's like twenty monologues in the first area. And I don't think you get that many when you uh yeah. like I'm I'm looking through these and like some of these I just haven't encountered in yeah. the game. I so. wonder if
2: the I wonder if the overall narrative would be clearer if you play it enough to get all of the pieces but it sounds like you did and you don't have any additional clarity on
0: oh uh, i mean i feel pretty confident that paul was the one driving the car okay um and that's about it so <laughs> <laughs> i just i don't know if if our narrator was there or not um and then like donnelly is someone completely separate who like wrote a book that our narrator read and yeah. jakobsen was also someone like centuries ago who just live, live on the on island. This
2: island yeah there's a lot of stuff about like island and plague and sickness and like the the narrator like at one point <clears throat> mentions he like breaks his leg really badly and like knows he's going to die on the island so that's why he like goes to the aerial and jumps off
0: yeah like he mentions multiple times he mentions Kidney stones, not only in the flashback where, where he talks about Esther visiting him in the hospital, but also, like, he mentioned, um, in a couple sound bites that I got, like, the, the stones that he currently has. So he has, like, kidney stones and a broken leg and, like, an infection. Like, yeah. Like, the black veins of infection reaching towards my heart. And yeah, it's eh. very, um.
1: Should we talk about those sentences?
2: It's very like, what, like, um, what's that book? Uh, as I lay dying, right? Mm-hmm. Um, where it's all about, like, the it, it's not so much a coherent, like, single metaphor as it is like a bunch of the things he's talking about blend into a set of metaphors that kind of all overlap each other, and like the way he's talking about them is partially nonsensical. And, yeah, like, his sentences, he gets, like, really weird and starts, like, repeating just certain phrases and certain ideas. He talks about the infection on his leg going up to his heart being, like, the, uh, like, the map of the highway where he was, like, trying to find the accident site and couldn't.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, um, he he keeps talking, like, like, so Donnelly and Jacobson were people who, like, lived centuries ago. And he, he talks about... Um, like having dreams where he is conversing with them or not even having dreams, but like uh like relating to them in a in a very present way, and uh, more more and more as the game goes on, like seeing them as actual living figures
2: esther's last name he calls her esther Donnelly though right
0: he well yeah, he says esther at the end he says Esther Donnelly flying beside me, and Paul Jacobson flying beside me, so I think. I interpreted that as just like he's getting, like everything oh, he's conflating them. Yeah, like like everything is just sort of coming together as like a a singularity point of events in his head because he's going mad with fever and took a bunch of painkillers that he found on a wrecked boat. Yeah, so, <laughs> yeah, that's right. um, like I, I guess mad with grief is the is the term that kept coming to mind. Also, let's talk about how... how purple this prose is.
2: <laughs> oh my god.
0: Actually, it's uh,
2: just so ornamented
0: and just, like, vivid and, yeah. Let me, let me read one, because this is one that I liked. Okay. I dreamt I stood in the center of the sun, and the solar radiation cooked my heart from the inside. My teeth will curl and my fingernails will fall off into my pockets like loose change. If I could stomach, I'd eat it. But I, but all I seem capable of is salt water, or the livestock still here. I could turn feral and gorge. I'm as emaciated as a body on a slab, opened up for the premature source of death. I've rode to this island in a heart without a bottom. All the bacteria of my gut rising up to sing to me.
2: Whoa. <laughs> Yeah? Yeah. That sounds like one of the last level monologues. It's, it's
0: not even. Is it not? It's in the, it's in the first area. Jesus. Yeah. Which is like why I was, I was surprised also that that one came up so soon that was the second time I played it. I was like, damn. We're hitting, yeah. it, we're hitting it hard this time. There's a lot of
2: stuff about, like, a boat without a bottom, mm-hmm. which at first I took to mean, like, a glass-bottomed boat, because he talked about, like, the reason for it was so the, like, monk who rode in could, like, uh, or the hermit or whatever um, could see the the sea creatures through the bottom.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, so I, I was thinking, but they, more and more throughout, it sounds like he's really talking about a boat that just doesn't have a bottom, which doesn't make any sense. <laughs> yeah. Um I can see so I liked this game because I like I like games with a strong sense of tone and this is, is like not. all I... atmosphere. But yeah, I was going to say I can absolutely see why people would not like this game and why a lot of people were really angry when it came out because it absolutely feels like a book that your English teacher would make you read in high school.
1: Right? So I I'm mad about this game, but it's not because of like not so, because the normal criticism. To me, it's like it's painfully slow, and there's nothing to do while it's slow. There's nothing to look at. There's well, nothing interesting. I disagree. There's plenty to look at. The the
2: uh, like.
1: The... I disagree with your disagreement.
2: <laughs> the I mean the the landscape is gorgeous, and like all the views are like like all the the painstakingly planted like. You know, beach, beach garbage, and uh, like, like the fine, individual fine. plants, and.
1: But it's the same view ten times. Yeah, I mean that's fair. And like the writing is awful. I'm not, I shouldn't say that, but uh, it's not my.
3: It's, it's not yeah.
2: It's not
1: my cup of tea.
2: It's very dense and abstract, which is what makes me say like. It's, it's like a high school English book, right? Yeah. Like, it reminded me a lot of As I Lay Dying.
0: Um,
1: it's which. It's like someone from high school.
0: <laughs> it's it's I, funny I because I, I had, I have a friend who once told me that, uh, this game is the game that most reminds them of me. <laughs> and, oh dear. And I, honestly, I don't take that as like an insult because I, I like it and I, uh, I I agree with the criticism that like it's it's really slow and um, like yeah there's stuff to look at but you you don't really have any context for any of it so yeah. most yeah. of it's just like oh well here's a thing that I found here's some stuff on the walls here's a little shrine I guess but I also I don't know I think I think I will always sort of have a, a place in my heart. For this kind of just extremely melodramatic, like angsty, purple, uh, flowery bullshit. Um, I I relish it and I am not ashamed, I guess. So, yeah. Yeah, if
1: you're this. I I feel like I'm irrationally angry about this game.
0: (laughs) And, And a lot of
2: people were when it came out, for sure.
1: Yeah, but I'm angry with those people as well.
2: (laughs) (laughs) You're just enjoying your rage. Um, Yeah, I... I appreciate that it was, like, very experimental at the time, and I think what helped me was to approach it not as a game, but as a... like a... And I was going to say novel, but I guess like short story um, as a short story where there is additional like mood playing in the background, right? Like there's stuff there that's just there to set the tone and to, to pace out the the content in a certain way. Although it's very dangerous to do that interactively because then you don't really get good control of the pacing. I think that's part of the problem is that the pacing is good if you are a player who just immediately knows the path and sets out on the exact path and follows it start to finish without breaks. But if you are someone who, like, wants to see what's at the edge of the cliff and then falls down the cliff and then has to walk back up the cliff or, like, sees a forking path and has to go all the way down one path and then backtrack and go all the way down the other path just to make you don't miss miss anything, then you completely wreck the pacing of the story.
1: Yes, I mean... It would be fine if the story had anything to do with what you did on the island. Mm-hmm. It's like there's no relationship.
2: There's like a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. There's,
1: there's, like,
0: it, it, there's a it, tiny it, little bit. Like it feels like, uh, you know, walking along this island and I see something and it reminds me of something and I'm gonna talk about the thing that I'm reminded of. And that's like the extent of, oh, there's the garage. I don't know if you can hear <laughs> that. <Yeah. laughs> oh, uh, oh well. Okay, um, hey, it's ominous atmosphere. Yeah, ominous atmosphere. Perfect for this game. Um, do we want to uh, I don't know I was going to say do we want to talk about the ending but I also don't know if we've like Do we,
2: do we want to talk about the one good scene? Uh, the one like really I- intriguing moment in the game? Uh, which is where you jump into uh, like a waterfall thing off the edge of a cliff like you're in the caves you jump down like a waterfall area into a splash pool at the bottom of a cave and you end up in
0: like a dream sequence a a
2: memory yeah uh you end up on at the crash site on the highway but underwater Mm
3: -hmm.
2: and you can like go and inspect the cars and you have to swim back up to the surface to leave the area and i was like super on board for this i'm like yes more of this please and that's the only sequence like that in the game. And there's like a, I was like, like no! a,
0: a hospital gurney just like in the middle of the street. Yeah. Um, also, I guess, I guess there's one other part that's like way less intriguing, but still slightly intriguing. In the why is the garage making so much noise? Um, there's a point where in the I think the last area where you um, look up and you see the silhouette of a person. And what? then I missed that, yes, it's, yeah, it's really yeah, small, I know. um, and then you I get it, it there, and it's and it's you see it, and then, like there's a point where the game like basically like puts a rock in front of you, and then once you go around the rock, it's gone
1: i I tried to walk along because I just yeah keep keep it in vision because so I was pretty that. sure I wasn't gonna see it,
0: yeah, exactly, I think, I think even that it's like I'm pretty sure that it's just like a billboarded sprite. <laughs> of a silhouette uh-huh. because yeah. I'm not entirely sure that it's billboarded, but it, it, it seemed like it was following yeah. following my perspective. So um, yeah, that's yeah. like at the the point where like the silhouette is placed in the landscape is like right before um, before we start, start climbing up the, yeah like the stairs. So I see. Yeah, it's, it's way towards the end of the game. Yeah, I was tr- I was too
2: busy trying to read the Bible
0: verses scrawled
2: all all over the mountain. Oh. Yeah, that was. Yeah.
1: I fell off like twice <laughs> while reading them, and then I gave up. Yeah,
2: <laughs> yeah, I fell off. I fell off the first time. Yeah, I was. Uh, I was. It was something annoying. about approaching Damascus.
0: Yeah, it was annoying that there was not more uh, draw distance that you could like read it from the uh, the shore or something. Um, I guess in in the non-landmark edition of the game, because it's like I think I mm, I'm I'm gonna have to like look this up because I feel like the landmark edition they actually like ported it to a completely different engine, but the initial release was still in source. So all of the sound effects in the menu are like source source engine like <laughs> Um But there is an option in in the old version to uh, to enable the console. So, I'm sure that that would be a, an easy way to, uh, to read. Oh, that yeah, stuff.
2: just fly yeah. off the edge of the cliff and go wherever you want. And to
0: go see that silhouette before it, before it disappears.
2: Yeah, without triggering it. By the way, uh...
1: that's one uglier menu. Yeah.
0: yeah.
2: It's just white text. It's not, like, it's nothing special,
0: but. But it doesn't have, like, the the cohes- cohesion. That the, the Landmark Edition has because like yeah. it's still the Source Engine font <laughs> like it's all just like this because I mean I don't I, I've never worked in Source Engine but I get the feeling that it's pretty limited with like what your options are for mm-hmm. for UI and stuff
2: that could be that sounds reasonable yeah um, I can see how if you're the sort of person who throws around the word pretentious which I try not to mm-hmm. you like I could see how this definitely picked up that label <laughs>
1: I have it written here in my notes. <laughs>
2: Pretentious. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um because it's definitely trying very hard to to be art, I guess. Um I tried one of the reasons that like for me the idea of pretentiousness involves like to some extent like bad faith. Um which I don't think this is I don't think it like is like trying to be high art without actually having anything to say I think like it does have something interesting to say and it is being like experimental about it it's just not very good at necessarily communicating the thing it wants to communicate unless that's just tone in which case like the tone is very like comes across very clearly Uh, but yeah no part of me the, like, I guess the, like, you know, this, the part of me that went to art school for game design really appreciated this game. But I also felt there was a part of me that wanted to be that, like, irrationally angry, um, you know, like, nerd rage person who, like, you know, tried to eviscerate this game upon
0: release. <laughs> yeah. I
1: I mean, I can see, like my friends from school making a game like this.
3: Yeah.
2: And I would
1: trash talk it.
3: <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah. It's I think a lot of the rage was probably misdirected. Like, I think yeah. I... The so, people um... people complained about, like, oh, you don't do anything in it. It's not a game because it doesn't have mechanics and, you know, all this stuff like this. And I think that was probably just like, the first difference that they latched onto to try and explain why it made them feel, like, uncomfortable and unpleasant. Um, I will
1: also say that I think most of the rage came from people that did not play it.
2: Oh, interesting. That could be, too. That would
0: not surprise me at all. That's a good point. Yeah, that's probably true as well. Um, Yeah. (laughs) It doesn't have a run button, therefore it is bad.
2: Yeah, yeah, why can't I like hold down shift to run? Well, because that completely wrecks the point of the game, which is the sort of somber pacing. Like, come on.
0: I wish, I do wish, like, I don't mind being forced to move slowly, but I do wish that there was like a toggle button so that I didn't have to hold W down for for, like an hour and a half. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Um,. Yeah, that would be. That would have been nice. To me. But that's, that's like my big mechanical gripe. Is that a toggle walk would be nice. But what I think.
1: Sorry, go, go ahead. I'm going to go in a different um, direction. Slow is fine. But please speed it up a bit.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Or at least make the content more dense, right? Like, make it so that
1: you,
2: you encounter things more often as you're going through this.
0: Yeah, because, like. I'm I'm looking at this and there's so many dialogue bits that I didn't get. It's like you could throw in a couple more, a couple more <laughs> audio prompts. You can yeah. do that. Yeah.
2: Um, so what I think is super interesting is the way in which apparently, because this was like new, right? This was innovative at the time. Of like, oh, it's just a game that's like a tour of a space that's meant to be atmospheric. That's really interesting. And then, like people took that idea and actually did, like, better things with it, right? Like interesting uh, explorations with it. Um, and I think Gone Home is kind of like okay, but what if like you're you're literally exploring the the past of like your family home as a member of this family, and let's also add like a bunch of physical artifacts that you can pick up. So that the the store you know the the narrative is not delivered entirely in voiceover, but also in the physicality of the objects around you. Like let's embed this more specifically in the space. Which also, I think was on
1: home is super intense.
3: Yeah.
2: Yeah. There's stuff all over the place. When you're not listening to something, you're like reading the labels on things, you're reading letters to people, you're like you know, looking at old cassettes and, you know, like there's, there's always something to look at and something to listen to and something to do. Right. Yeah. Like, even though there's not that much mechanics in it, it's, it's the same idea, but much more concrete and focused. Um, and I think that was like a really good upgrade.
0: Yeah. I love it when I'm allowed to open up the fridge. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, One thing that I, I, I don't want to say, like, I wish that they had done this, because, yeah, it was a a very, like, early foray into this kind of thing, but I think it would have been interesting uh, if, if it had leaned more heavily on subjective reality. Um, because I felt like I got a lot of that, uh, mostly, like, in that weird sort of dream sequence, and in the ending, which, uh, at the ending you climb up to the top of the aerial you jump off and then before you hit the ground you see a shadow on the ground and it is like the silhouette of a bird and then you do a fly through of of the last uh level of the of the game um and that and a lot of the narration like says a lot to me that that about the game existing within a much more subjective reality than what were yeah. presented, and I w- would like to have had more of that represented visually, oh. I guess. Yeah, if
3: they, had,
2: if they had gone full surrealism, I would have been all over that. And, <laughs> like, yeah, and would
0: even, have been even like uh, making your ascent uh, towards the aerial, they do a lot of weird stuff with lighting in like that last five minute stretch mm-hmm. that was really yeah, cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah,
2: yeah. Where there's like, there's, like, a candle, and the light it's giving off doesn't, like, color-wise does not make any sense yeah. for the light that's there. Because um, it's, like, a yellow candle, and you've seen all these candles up until now, and they always give off this sort of, like, soft yellow light. And then you get to this one, and it's giving off the same red light as the aerial is up ahead of you. And it's just, it like, it takes you a second to realize that it's wrong, but it's very, like, clearly not, doesn't make sense. Yeah, and it, it
0: it brings me back to... Um, I think the first thing the Chinese room ever did was another source mob called Corsicovia, which I've played uh, a tiny bit of and, and didn't play much else of. But it, it deals with... Yeah, I should have uh, said,
2: this is by the Chinese room.
0: Yeah, yeah, well, yeah we, we got to it. Um, uh, which deals with a patient with a cognitive disorder called Korsakoff syndrome. Um, and it they... I believe the backstory, and it's been a long time, I could be wrong, is that they have, like, gouged out their eyes, and the whole thing is taking place, like, within their mind, and people with Korsakoff syndrome get, like, memory loss. They have, like, uh, uh, um, what is it called? I think it's called um, confabulation, where their brain just makes up memories, and they, like, fully believe that those memories are actually true and happen to them, mm-hmm. um, and what I play to that game, man... It did some weird stuff. It's also like much more uh, of a horror game, which is probably why I didn't finish it. Um, yeah. But yeah, I would have liked—I would have liked a little more of that. I guess that's all.
2: Yeah, I think it was the nar- the way na- the narration was going could have easily leaned that way, mm-hmm. um, and especially with there's all these weird, like sigils painted in luminescent paint throughout the island of like. Circuit diagrams and chemical diagrams and Bible verses, and like you easily could have done something really like interesting and surreal with that that pays that off, and I didn't feel like that was really paid off in any way, yeah,
0: I agree
1: it's it just weird
0: yeah, the diagrams are really cool, and I wish there was more I'm done with them
2: i was i wanted to, uh, if there was a way for me an easy way for me to do so, I would have looked up um like what chemical that diagram represents oh yeah uh, cuz it's clearly you know some kind of hydrocarbon um i wonder if it's like fuel or alcohol or something you know like uh, it's probably something thematically related
0: okay i it's it's on the wiki someone has already oh, done nice. the work for us um let's see at seen in the lighthouse at the beginning is alcohol yep uh let's see alcohol dopamine appears multiple times uh, there's one that is unknown and the chemical symbols are replaced with uh, Hebrew letters which I didn't notice um, and then there's one that is ren- ranitidine which I think is that an antacid? <laughs> <laughs> I have no idea uh, ranitidine yeah it's it uh, treats and prevents heartburn, Zantac Okay. So interesting. That's an inter- so, that's like an interesting. The, one.
2: Something about the stones or the.
0: <clears throat> yeah, I, I guess that, that, Yeah, probably. So yeah, that's that's what we got.
2: Fascinating. Okay. Yeah. No, I I mean I expected it would be something like that.
0: Yeah, alcohol um, was was a a pretty a pretty safe bet. Yeah. For sure.
2: Um, circuit diagrams. Were that. they actually circuits? They were like some kind of what looked like technical diagrams, but I don't know if they were actually. I mean,
1: they were definitely like a transistor. And...
0: Yeah. Um. There's nothing on the wiki, like at least there's not a specific page about uh. Um, circuit circuitry. Yeah, let's 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 try think... some other searching.
2: Yeah, like they're like. Logic gates or something like that.
0: Uh, okay, uh, electronic circuits, okay. So this is just a list of like ones that appear. So there's a uh, uh, symbol for a transformer, there's a symbol for uh, grounding, and there's a symbol for a variable resistor. Mm. And those are the only ones that are listed on the wiki, so there might be okay. more, but maybe, I don't know. It seems like there were more than that, but yeah. Uh,
2: it seems like it's very much a tone piece. Like, it doesn't have anything that specific to say, but it it very much wants to, like, evoke a certain mood, and like, evoke a certain frame of mind, I guess? Yeah. I think, um, yeah, I
0: would say it's... Cool. it's like That's a... why I
1: think it's weird that it's, like, chemicals, and...
0: Yeah.
1: I think if they just stuck with Bible verses... Alone, it would have been fine.
3: Yeah.
2: I don't know. They're trying to say something. I don't know if I feel like that, you know, that it got said.
0: I mean, I guess the, the most I would say is that it's like an exploration of grief.
2: Yeah, and, it could be.
0: And like the aftermath of grief that you don't. Frequently, see in video games because usually in video games you see just like revenge stories based around grief, yeah, or, yeah, or like, revenge specifically or... about
2: mourning, yeah, which is sort of, yeah, like a yeah, different a... part of grief,
0: yeah, you get like revenge arcs and retribution, or not retribution, redemption arcs, uh, yeah, and this is
2: neither <laughs> of those things, certainly not, yeah. <laughs> and And for people listening, yes, I realize I keep going back and forth between saying it's trying to say something and it's not trying to say anything i I realize I've been doing that.
0: that's fair, you know, because we, who I mean, knows, yeah, exactly, yeah, have you played this not not you, you two, but like you, the listener, no. <laughs> if you're criticizing us for not <laughs> not being able to come to a conclusion, have you played this game? yeah like... I mean
1: they're definitely trying to say something right the developers
0: yeah I mean I would say that they are just just by virtue of the fact that they made made this thing again, I don't know if
2: like making a tone piece though is what I would call trying to say something and I don't know if
1: no but I think tone
2: it... piece or you don't you think it's it's not just a tone piece you think it's
1: I think it might be just a tone piece but like even though you just make a tone piece it's you sort of you, you, it's hard to not make some kind of statement with it. I
0: also, think, yeah. I also think we might have different definitions of like what making a statement is. Uh, yeah, that's true. Because, like, I, you know, I don't. I guess I don't feel like you have to have like a, a, uh, clearly defined thesis or or um, like a persuasive argument. Even, uh, like, I think that if you just do. What I feel like this did as like an exploration of mourning and, um, like the, the, the depth of loss that is left over after like a loved one's traumatic death, like even just that as an exploration is something. Yeah. So, at least that's what I feel. I don't know. This is, this is
2: why, this is why I opened with this game is very vague.
0: Yeah. It's so vague.
2: (laughs) But anyway. So that's that's how, that's sort of like some roots of the genre. And I'm sure that you can probably trace art games further back that are like this, that are just moving around a space and exploring things. I'm sure they exist. But I feel like this was a sort of bringing that idea into a public consciousness in a much bigger way. Um, and also, like, I, I do believe, I feel very strongly that this is um where the term walking simulator came from. I haven't looked it up,
0: but I'm pretty sure. Yeah, now that yeah I'm I, at... I think
1: it's this combined with Go Home.
0: Yeah. Now that I'm sort thinking of. about it, I think the path came out before this. Oh, yeah. I, for- I forgot that existed. And I know... Yeah, and I forgot what? that it existed until, like...
2: Is that the one where you're, like, in a graveyard approaching a grave, or is that yet another one? That's, that's like that's this?
0: another one. That one is just the graveyard.
2: Okay. Which I yeah. forgot so about that, that also until be, you mentioned it. That might also be like a precursor. Yeah,
0: I, I think I think a lot of uh, a lot of people uh, had problems with the path as well because it's like stay on the path, and then if you like like the game tells you to stay on the path, but to experience the game, you have oh. to do what the game doesn't say to do, and people got mad about that. I feel like I remember. <laughs> <laughs> um.
2: Interesting. So basically yeah, games that, there were a lot of games at the time that were trying to, like, poke at the medium and do some interesting meta exploration and
0: oh, <laughs> try some experimental uh, stuff. The, the Path and the Graveyard were both by Tale of Tales. Okay. So, which they did uh, Sunset as well. And what else did they do? I know they've done a bunch of stuff. Uh, okay, those were the big ones. The path, yeah. sunset and uh Graveyard. The graveyard. Yeah.
1: Like The arrestor, I think, started the, the It the... started the the debate.
0: Yeah, like yeah. the
1: the big Or the hatred.
0: Yeah, like yeah. the big discourse I think came from Dear yeah. probably.
2: Yeah, and it was and I can see why. It's like a very polarizing game even though it's not controversial in any way right like there's nothing about it that's like super objectionable um yeah. but it's Just... it's very challenging to the medium
3: mm-hmm. yeah all
2: right I mean, and then
1: it it is a game that you can't help when when it's released you can't help questioning what is this is this a game
2: yeah and that's fair and i think like a you know there was a lot of discussion on what constitutes a game? And those discussions are rarely useful and mostly just result in people being angry.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's like, uh, it, it's so surprising to me that people got really mad about this when, um, uh, hang on, what's the sequel to Gravity Bone? 30 Flights of Loving, which mm. came out in the same year. 30 Flights of Loving, it's like a five minute game. Uh, uh, which I think is on our list of games to play. Um, and, uh, like, 30 Flights of Loving was a paid game. There was another game that is, like, in the same sort of continuum that, um, the same developers made called Gravity Bone, which is the same thing. It takes, like, less than five minutes to play. So I think, I think a lot of, like, the controversy felt really silly to me, but then I remembered that I, that I played those games also. And was like yep. primed to just not be mad about <laughs> about, about <laughs> anything that that uh dear Esther could have possibly done
2: um here's an interesting question I don't know if there's any way to know this um the the path and the graveyard are they pay games did they charge uh,
1: the graveyard I think no Uh,
0: okay the path is like uh. A, a TV series that I'm I'm not interested in. <laughs> uh, the path is on Steam. It is ten dollars. The graveyard is five dollars.
2: Okay, because I was wondering if some of this uh, might not two. have been about like what you're what you can charge for and call a game. Yeah, but, uh, but if there are, if you're charging for all of them, then that's uh, not as
0: as much a point. Yeah, Dear Esther is 10 and 30 Flights of Loving is 5. Okay. 30 Flights of Loving has mixed reviews because it is <laughs> uh because it is very short.
2: Does uh does Dear Esther have mixed reviews or is it positive? Uh Oh,
0: actually you can
2: uh I be- wait, h- hang on. Can you organize it by release?
0: Well, I'm looking. Okay. Um, it, Dear Esther has mostly positive reviews, okay. but I think you can, f- uh, I think you can,
2: yeah, filter by version, filter
0: by, or filter by, um, like, recent, mm. okay, or initial release, um, I mean, looking at it over, over the whole, like, time period that the game's been released, um, uh, it looks like, the positive reviews outweigh the negative reviews overall there was a spike of negative reviews in December of 2013 that was like the biggest spike was 63 negative reviews in that month but there were 125 positive reviews in that month at the same time so
2: that might have been around when the arguments were happening yeah
0: probably because Um, yeah
2: the, also, I guess that probably does not include stuff from the mod. I would assume.
0: Uh, yeah, no, this is just the um, the like full release of the game.
2: Yeah. All right, so let's let's move on in time. Yes. Um, and so we talked a little bit about Gone Home. Um, basically, took this concept, tightened it up, uh, added an element of like physical interaction with the space, which Dear Esther really doesn't have. In Dear Esther, you really just walk. Mm-hmm. And nothing else. Um but in gone home you could like pick things up and look at them
0: oh, and yeah, you can pick everything up. It's great. Yeah.
2: And solve, you know, solve puzzles. Hit light switches. Uh the puzzles are not really puzzles. They're more just like go to this space and get a key and then take it to the space where the lock is. I,
0: um You know, it's like the kind of puzzles that you would find in real life. <laughs> basically <laughs> yeah. like like you you would never ever find anything as convoluted as like most video game puzzles in real life. So the air quotes puzzles in Gone Home are like, oh, yeah, this is like plausible. Yeah. Basically.
2: And so and then, you know, like there have been other games along these lines. I under- we didn't play uh Where the Water Tastes Like Wine but I bet that would fit well into this continuum.
0: I would like to play that um, one at some point. Yeah. Heads up.
2: Uh,
0: uh, Firewatch, uh, I guess. Firewatch is Fire, later. Yeah, um,
2: Firewatch has a lot more of a sort of a mystery and it is a lot more about the, the world is a lot more open, so mm-hmm. it's a lot more about sort of pathfinding through the space, um, mm-hmm. and which makes sense because the, the narrative is that you are um, on you are, like, a park ranger, and yeah. you're, like, surveying this huge, like, national park area.
0: Yeah, actually, um, spoiler, I never played Firewatch, but uh, I need Sean to at some Dick. point. Yeah, so I, I watched, I watched watch him watch. playing it. I, yeah. Yeah. Um, I'm just trying to think of other games that It also has fall. a lot more
2: of a pulpy story, um, I feel like, overall. Oh, yeah. yeah, Compared to the rest of these. Um, yeah, so there have been some, like, notable titles in the genre, and they, they keep kind of iterating. Uh, and then the we get. Died. <laughs> yeah
0: beginner's, beginner's guide. guide. Uh, everybody's gone very to the rapture. Little. Yep. Which I also very little play.
1: interruption in beginner's guide.
0: Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, everybody's gone to the rapture, which I also haven't played.
1: Vanishing yeah. of Ethan Carter. Yep.
0: Yeah. uh The
3: the
2: the beginner's guide is probably the only one of these in which you can fire a gun, albeit
0: briefly. <laughs> That's true. That's true, except when the gun runs out of ammo, it's out of ammo forever.
2: Yep. Well, at first. Yeah, until the next. Until the later one.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
2: But yeah. Uh, and then we come to What Remains of Edith Finch, uh, which was from April of last year, 2017, uh, by Giant Sparrow. Um, and published uh, by... Annapurna? Annapurna, which... Um, both Giant Sparrow and uh, Annapurna have some connections to some USC stuff,
3: mm-hmm. so
2: like, while this is not directly a USC game, it's like very USC adjacent <laughs> in a lot of ways. Yeah. Um, Annapurna is publishing, uh, among other things, Outer Wilds, which was a student thesis game from the year that came after me at USC. Uh so I'm super excited for that to to come out and be awesome because I want to see the finished version oh, of it.
0: I haven't uh, I haven't heard of that, but I'm looking at it and oh, this looks like it's right up my alley.
2: Yeah, it's like <laughs> a procedural space game.
0: Yeah. Um,
2: but like not procedural is the wrong word because it's it's actually I think very um, deterministic. But the point is that you still have kind of a unique experience. Every time you go through it, because it's just very vast. <laughs> um, but it's also—it's not like a like a no man's sky where it's like about, you know, like freeform exploration so much as it's about like uncovering narrative and like finding out things by you know successive explorations. Yeah, which I'm I'm excited to to see the finished version. Um the the version I played was like a pretty a pretty, you know, young prototype because it was a student work but anyway um and uh Giant Sparrow also did uh Unfinished Swan, I believe.
3: Mm-hmm. Uh
2: which I think is also by uh a USC student or a USC adjacent person. Uh but anyway, what remains of Edith Finch is a walking simulator. Yes. Um where you play a seventeen-year-old girl. Um, I guess that's you. Sort of play a sequence of people. You play someone who is sitting on a boat and is reading a journal, that says Edith Finch on it. That's like the very opening. Yeah. Um, and it's... then most of the game you play as Edith Finch narrating the journal.
0: Yeah, we're we're on multiple levels of frame narrative here, so yeah, hold on to at
1: least thoughts, four. four.
0: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, at
1: most, and... I think it's four actually
0: uh yeah i think that sounds right maybe i maybe it's only three
1: no i, th- I think it's one of them they one of do... them goes
2: into something else okay yeah. um we'll go through it all one by yeah, one yeah, it's yeah. gonna be a long episode it's um, gonna be a super long
0: episode because we're already <laughs> sitting at uh an hour 21 on the recording and i don't know how long did we actually started the episode
2: and I feel like we have more. To, I at least I at least have more to say about Edith Finch than Absolutely. I do about Durrusor.
1: I have Absolutely. less notes.
2: Oh, interesting. Okay. Um. So yeah. So you are you spend most of the game as Edith Finch, uh, returning to her childhood home, which is this like crazy uh, sort of leaning castle in the middle of the woods. It's, it's um,
0: basically it started out as a regular house. And then as the family got larger and more children were born or more generations lived in it, then they just built onto the roof in a yeah. way that would absolutely not make it past zoning laws or like... like <laughs>
2: yeah, a uh, way that looks very unsafe and unstable. <laughs>
0: exactly. I, love it. I Yeah. Oh, yeah.
2: It's very... It's got a sort of like Willy Wonka quality to it that's kind
0: of like yeah. it, it, it's, enjoyable it's, and intriguing. It's, it's fucking Ron Weasley's house. Yeah, it basically is. Like, look, I don't... I I, I get really annoyed these days when people compare things to Harry Potter because everybody does it constantly. But it's... It's a good comparison in this case. Yeah.
1: God, I'm so annoyed with you right now. I know.
0: I am am too.
2: (laughs) I have not noticed everything being compared to Harry Potter, Mm. so I have no... But anyway, um, so... You, so you you play as, a, as this character Edith returning to the house after basically everyone else in her family has died she is the only living Finch remaining um, and she is returning to the house to try and find out about the people who lived there um, because they all have their own stories but there's like a family curse and they all sort of died usually pretty young in unusual or like in in weird ways, for the most part. Mm-hmm. Um, and so... Uh, Edith's mother was apparently a little bit crazy uh, in that every time someone in the house died, she would seal up their bedroom like a monument and, like, seal the door so it couldn't be entered. I think... uh, and no one was allowed to go in the
0: room. I think it wasn't even that, like... I I think it was like when she was a kid, all of the rooms were just open, and then her brother disappeared. And when her brother disappeared, her mom freaked out and sealed up all the rooms. Was I think it? that I think that's what it was because um, like
2: she definitely mentioned that for most of her childhood, she's not allowed to go in any of these.
0: Yeah, because I, I think I think she says that like her brother Milton disappeared when she was like. four or five maybe so yeah like definitely for most of her life and then in in retaliation to her mother uh sealing up all the rooms her great-grandmother uh who had been in the house since it was built uh drilled peepholes (laughs) into all the rooms
2: (laughs) so you could at least look through and see the room yeah yeah so when you first get there the like all the rooms are sealed up uh, and you f- discover a secret passage into one of the rooms that then tangentially leads you to all the other rooms. Mm-hmm. Uh, and in each room, you find some kind of memorial. Well, you find a bunch of stuff throughout the place. Uh, Edith does a lot of narrating in a way that's kind of cool because the, um, the text appears in physical space. And the way you get rid of the text is sometimes you do things that like sweep the text away or like send it blowing away or like there's a lot of cool text-based animation and effects in here that I kind of appreciated. Mm-hmm. Really... Uh, reminded me of the the hotel game we played, um, that that weird one.
0: Oh, Norwood Suite. Yeah,
2: <laughs> Norwood Suite. Yeah. I was like
0: yeah. the hotel game was, and yeah. then you said the weird one, and I was like, oh, um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I really I really like the text appearing in the space. Uh, until it forces the camera onto the text while I'm trying to look at some other shit. <laughs> like, yeah, that, 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 was the, that was the annoying part. But, By the um,
1: way, nothing to do with the game, but it's funny, you had to say weird game because we've played two hotel games. Oh, that's how much that's we've done.
3: Yeah.
2: <laughs>
1: um, uh, sexy Brutal.
2: Oh, I, I guess I think of that as more a casino, but you're right, it is part hotel also.
3: Yeah.
2: <laughs> um, yeah. So the, uh yeah, and they do actually interesting things with the text effects because they sometimes use it to, like, direct your gaze to a certain spot. Like, the text will all, like, funnel off in one direction, and that's the direction you're
3: supposed to go next, mm-hmm. and things like that. So they do some interesting kind of
0: mechanical design stuff with it. Yeah, I, I think And it's... they,
1: they force forces the camera to look at it.
0: Yeah, I think that's more useful for people who are not like me, who want to look at every single object in the room and yeah. gets annoyed when when the game says please stop looking at that it's not important please please just look over, <laughs> look here. over here please yeah <laughs> this is where the
2: exciting thing is
0: yeah like no i want to read this box of cereal
3: yeah
2: and so the the cool thing about how this game is organized is as you go into each person's room you find these individual memoriam objects you find a lot of stuff about them just kind of about their room at, by looking at the space and by like Edith's narration uh but the mem- memoriam objects let you play a, a story of that character usually about how that character died um, and we'll go through we'll go through all of them cuz we kind of have to um, some of them are really great and they're like different lengths and they all have like different mechanics that you just kind of it's great, because they don't tutorialize any of them, but they're all kind of intuitive enough that it's just one or two, like, button presses that you have to, that you can get by experimenting. Yeah. Uh, and then you're playing something else, and it's great.
1: I mean, the game only has five buttons, so...
2: Yeah, yeah, there's not, yeah, there's not much that you can do that, like, so you get completely lost. Um, so the first room that you end up in, you start in... Um, whose room is the uh the ocean one? That's Walter's.
3: Yeah, you start in Walter's
2: room. Yeah, you don't actually learn of Walter yet. It's He's just got a really rad room um, <laughs> that is has uh, got, like, a j- big ocean mural on it, yeah, which and, and, I
0: want that room. Everyone's rooms are so, like, heavily themed. It's like those, um, I don't know if they do this anymore in hotels, but they have, like, themed rooms. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, that are like ridiculous and gaudy like there is a, a hotel in my hometown that I think has been closed for many many years but they had these and I remember there was one that I like I, we never like stayed in it but I remember seeing it at some point just because I don't know they were letting people look in there maybe and it was like <laughs> like ancient Egypt themed and like <laughs> there are these ridiculous like fucking like distressed columns in yeah like all over the place and just like murals of uh like the pyramids and the sphinx and so that's the kind of like theming uh yeah. that, that you see like just
2: yeah. big the rooms are and gaudy. The, the rooms are like half people's like real bedrooms and half like museum exhibits to that person. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of uh it's that's kind of an interesting thing. So the you uh you have a key. So the the idea is that it was just your brother's funeral. Uh one of your brothers died recently. You have two brothers. One disappeared when you were young, one recently died. Uh and at your brother's funeral your mother gave you a key. Um I thought it was
0: I thought course. your mom died and she willed the key She to you. She left
2: you a key. Yeah. Um okay. she left you this key. Uh, that opens something in the house but you don't know what. Uh, and it turns out it opens a padlocked copy of 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea in this bedroom, which contains like a secret lever, because this house is full of like secret passages. Um, and that secret lever takes you through a little crawl space into Molly's room. Um, and so you, one of the really great things this game does is the family tree is printed on the pause screen. So anytime you're confused about, wait, who is this relative again? You can just go reference the family tree, which I was doing all the time. Yes,
0: absolutely. Uh,
2: so the the house was founded, uh, was built um, by a man named Odin. Was it, did Odin actually build the house or did he die on the voyage over?
0: Odin died on the voyage over. The house was built by Edie, the great grandmother, and her husband Sven, who right, who Sven. also came over.
2: Yeah, so they yeah they came over. So the curse starts. They, they come over from uh, their like original homeland with uh, the, their boat with their a boat that is their old house. Yeah, right. The house is on the boat, and it looks fantastical, and it's kind of wonderful. Um, and but they. All, they're get almost all the way there, and they wreck and it sinks. Um, and is, you can see the wreckage out the back window of
0: yeah, w- which of is the great house because house. they say like Odin was going to escape the the Finch family curse, so he loaded up the house onto a boat and and, and thought that that was <laughs> a do. good idea if yeah. if your family is cursed to just undertake this ridiculous, foolhardy everything that can go wrong will go wrong, venture. Uh, good yeah. job,
2: yeah, so he dies on the voyage over, um but his daughter and Edie and her husband survive and build a house on the shore they first they make a graveyard in which to bury Odin, and then they build the house, yeah, which uh Edith comments on like later
0: yeah um so and I, they... I believe that the house was it looks like it was built in nineteen thirty seven that's the year that Odin died and also the year that Molly was born. So yeah,
2: yeah. so they so the they have three children?
0: Um, is that
2: right? Edie and Sven?
0: Edie and Sven have four kids. The only one that's born at the at the like when the house is built is Molly. Yeah.
2: Okay. So no, the they, water...
0: have, they have five kids. Sorry. Okay, yeah. so
2: who are their kids?
0: Uh Molly is the oldest. Then Barbara Calvin and Sam are twins and then Walter.
2: Okay. Right, right, cuz Walter was the uncle. Yeah. Um so yeah, so Molly is the one that you encounter first. She's got a child's bedroom because she was fairly young when she died. She has like a little hamster cage uh with a ti- with a drawer under it that has a tiny hamster bedroom with a <laughs> tiny bed and an even smaller hamster cage in it.
0: Yes great and like she has like this beautiful like mural of a fairy tale castle on yep, her wall and a, and a goldfish bowl Christopher.
2: Uh, yeah christopher <laughs> the goldfish christopher um and edith says like i feel like i would have gotten along well with molly
0: yeah i would have gotten along well with molly if she hadn't died in 1947 yeah. Also, i only know these dates because i have the family tree up in a monitor and I'm looking at it right now because otherwise I will not be able to talk about this game Yep.
2: and so you go you read Molly has like a diary there and you read the entry from like the night that she died Um, and it's all about how like she woke up ate a bunch of weird things went on this hallucinogenic adventure uh, and then (coughs) it ends with like a monster under her bed and she's, like, convinced that the monster's going to eat her. But given that the opening describes all the weird things she ate in her room because she was so hungry, and for whatever reason her mother wouldn't let her out of her room at night...
0: I think she, had like, misbehaved in some way and was sent to bed without dinner, that kind of Uh, thing. Ah,
2: okay. And so one of the things she eats is holly berries, which are poisonous and will kill you.
0: Mm -hmm. She Um, eats holly berries, a tube of toothpaste... Uh, Uh, And
2: an old dry carrot from her hamster's cage. Yeah.
0: Um, Yeah. And then then you hear a bird at the window, and she opens the window and suddenly has become a cat.
2: Yes. And so this is the first, like, kind of weird alternative game that you play where suddenly you're a cat. And you can, like, press and, uh, like, face the way you want to go and press the, like, action button to, like, leap to that position. And it feels really cool and satisfying to, like, cat leap. So you like chase this bird, uh, all over the, um. Like all over the trees by your bedroom, uh, and then you catch and eat the bird. And she describes eating the mama bird, and it's kind of horrific. Uh, this whole and then, segment
0: is pretty horrific, yeah. Yeah,
2: some horrific things in it. Uh, and then she transforms into an owl, and you're flying around, uh, swooping down and uh, grabbing rabbits and eating them, <laughs> and then you become a shark. Uh, but oh you become a shark in the forest, just, like, flopping around on the ground by the trees, and you yeah. kind of got to flop your way down the hill and roll off into the water, which is, like, an amazing part of the game. It's That's, so funny. Yeah,
0: that was the moment when I was like, yep, I'm sold. I'm sold on <laughs> yes, this game. I like this game. Yep. Yeah, I'm a shark rolling through the woods. I'm in it. Yep. Take me yep. there.
2: So so as the shark, you, you roll into the water, and then you get to eat a seal, uh, and then you become a tentacle monster. And I would play an entire game as just this tentacle monster. Yeah. I had so much fun as the tentacle monster, despite the nausea oh, that God, I got no. from playing. It's So you basically, what did your, um, your arrow controls, instead of moving you, move like the end of the tentacle that you can see from, like, a first-person point of view. And then when you press the action button, you, like, slurm yourself towards the tentacle, like you're grabbing and pulling yourself along. So you're, like, maybe, like, a giant octopus squid monster with one tendril. It's super unclear what you are other than a monster with a tentacle. Yeah. But you
1: can't really see where you're going.
2: (laughs) You can't really see where you're going. And you sneak up on people and eat them. Yeah. You're on, like, a boat and you're eating sailors. Yeah.
1: I think, also, I think, okay. um, I'm think i just going to say, like, why the game has invert mouse controls, but not during the shark segment?
0: Oh, I didn't even notice. Yeah, I even The only time
1: it doesn't have it.
0: That's <laughs>
2: interesting. I, I mean, I've... we're probably programmed, like, in different like not not sequentially like they were probably programmed in different contexts and some of them simultaneously with each other and i bet that probably fell through the
1: cracks
0: yeah i feel like i feel like i didn't have a whole lot of control over the camera during the shark segment oh are you talking about the swimming segment or the the swimming okay yeah no yeah 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 actually you're right i was thinking i was thinking about the the rolling down the hill segment which is the part that matters (laughs) (laughs) when you're when you're a shark um yeah, no, you're right. I remember cuz I played it I, I played this one twice as well just because I played it a while ago and then I played it again last night. Yeah, I remember having like weird difficulty especially uh on controller the second time I played it in the shark segment being like, "What are these controls? What's going on?" So. Yeah,
2: I was I think I was so nauseous at that point that I was trying to mostly not look at the screen and to move as little as possible. Um I had to drink I playing. The, I played these two back to back, which was probably a terrible idea, and I went through two cans of ginger ale <laughs> as,
0: yeah. as an attempt to like not get sick. Both of them
1: have issues, and it's very different issues. But... <laughs> yeah.
0: Yeah, and this one, this one isn't even the worst one.
2: Yeah. The the swing one was pretty bad yeah. for me
0: for some reason. The swing one, like I don't, I don't even get motion sickness, and that one fucked me up. But we'll get to that.
2: <laughs> yeah. Um, so, yeah. So you, the last thing you play as is this tentacle monster, and you get on this boat, you eat some sailors, and then you smell something really good, so you, like, go down this sewer drain to find the source of the good smell, and you end up under Molly's bed. Uh. And that's where it, like, and Molly's like, and then I was myself again, and, like, I knew the monster, like, you know, I, I held my breath, and I'm still holding it, but...
0: What, I think, you know, she, like, what did she say? She's like, I... I think we it's both waiting...
2: know I'm delicious. Yeah, yeah.
0: We, uh, it's waiting for me to fall asleep, but I know it won't wait long because it's so hungry, and we both know that I will be delicious. Yeah, <laughs> yeah,
3: yeah. And
2: uh, so that's how Molly died.
0: Yeah,
3: and then you, poison. you get
2: like yeah, probably the poison of the stuff that she ate. That night, because she was hungry. Yeah. Uh, and so the. The. You go, like, out her window and across the way and through, uh, Edie's room and into. Who's the next one that we get? Uh, After Molly.
0: Well, in, in Edie's room, you get the. The portrait. So the way it works is oh, that you get all this the. I of Oat yeah. in Edie's room. The, the way it works is that the. The family tree is, um. It's filled in with names, but every time you complete one of the little, like, story segments specific to a character, uh, Edith draws a little, like, sketch of them. Yeah, a little, like, cartoon name. portrait Yeah, so, so the next one you get is Odin, which is just, like, one yeah. of those little, um, viewfinder things?
2: Yeah, those, like, little old picture... Viewmaster. Picture is that what they're called? Yeah. Viewmaster? Yeah. I don't know. I those think red so. things where you click it and it, like, rotates the little disc. Yeah. Um and it's just a, it's just a story of like Odin's foolhardy journey and how he died yeah. on the ocean
0: yeah that so that that it's um... like four
2: frames it's very short
0: yeah um and then
2: then you get across into the twins room yeah um the twins Sam and Calvin
0: mm-hmm. and, um, and you get Calvin's and, story
2: yeah so Sam and Calvin shared a room that was like you know down the middle um like taped off uh one of them wanted to be a soldier, one of them wanted to be an astronaut. Um, so one side is astronaut themed and one side is like army man themed. Um and like Edith mentioned that like Sam shared a room with a dead boy for ten years or something like that. Yeah. Because like Calvin died young and Sam kept living in the room, but uh like their their uh like his brother's side of the room was roped off, which is like Gonna tram- traumatize the fuck out of you. Yeah, as a it's child. like
0: like one of those like big like velvet ropes that yeah. connects to like stanchions that they use to I don't know and rope things off at, things, yeah, at yeah like movie theaters and, and theaters in general I guess yeah um, uh, yeah so then yeah so you and get it,
2: Calvin's story which is the swing right Mm-hmm. so it's um and it's you actually get it as a as a story uh, a letter from Sam to Calvin. So, like, Sam, you know, snuck under the rope to Calvin's side of the room and left a letter for him or about him, like a little funeral note type thing uh, on his shrine Mm -hmm. that's basically like, you know, my brother always did everything he set his mind to, and one day he decided to fly. And so there's a first person of you're on a swing, and you have a cast on one leg. And you're just swinging, trying to go around. Like you do when you're a kid. Like, I bet I could swing so high I would go all the way around. Um, And so you just have to, like, you know, click back and forth at the right times to, like, make yourself swing higher and higher uh, until you go around and fall off the swing and, like, fall off the cliff into the ocean. Yeah, you
0: just fly into the ocean. (laughs) Yeah. I I think my favorite part of that was, like, uh, my brother said that he would die before he ate another mushroom, and he was right. <laughs> <laughs>
2: yeah. Oh. He did.
0: <laughs> yeah.
2: Yeah. And so, yeah, so that's, so Calvin's story is also pretty short. Mm-hmm. Um, then you go to, uh, I forget where you find Barbara's story. It's, like, through a crawl space into, like, an adjacent room. And Barbara was the child star. Um, so she was, as a little girl, she was in a movie about Bigfoot My where she had, like, a famous Bigfoot. scream. Yeah, My Friend <laughs> Bigfoot, where she had a famous scream. Um, and so you find an old, like, comic book that's clearly intended to be, like, a Tales from the Crypt, uh like, Crypt Keeper, Keeper parody. Except it's, like, a guy with, like, a pumpkin head mm-hmm. instead of the Crypt Keeper. <clears throat> and so you, like, read this fairy tale about... uh how Barb died. And she didn't die as a child star. She actually, like, grew up and became, like, washed up. Yeah. Uh,
0: washed up at 16, I think. I think she yeah, was 16 yeah. when she died. Like, damn. <laughs> yeah.
2: So she, um, like, the comic book is a the surprise ending of Barbara Finch. Um, and she, like, had a boyfriend who was, like, trying to help her get back into, um, like, her career, her acting career, and so she was going to do this convention where she was supposed to provide like a scream, and he was helping her work on her scream. Um, but they were ho- home alone, and
0: I think, I think Sven had like an accident with the table saw, so she yeah. had to stay home and watch Walter, Walter, uh, and and like missed the convention because of it.
2: Yeah, and the the comic book like has a very horror story of like there's an escaped convict with a hook for a hand loose in the woods and you know he's hiding somewhere and so yeah um it's it's actually the way they do this is really cool because you play it as a sequence of comic book panels and like the comic book panel has like a some of them you can like actually move in but it has, like, the visual filter of the comic book still, and, like, when you get to a certain point, it'll pause on that frame, and then you'll, like, move over to the next frame of the comic book, um, and it's really kind of rad. It's...
0: It's funny, because this is, like, actually my least favorite one, because the concept is so cool, but the execution just... You didn't like it. Like, the the shader that they use during the comic book sequences just looks like a shitty game. (laughs) Um, (laughs) and and yeah. the the comic art the, the art's okay um but the look this is this is like the biggest nitpicky fucking gripe <laughs> of my life but the tails on all of the speech bubbles like they didn't erase the part the line around the bubble where the tail comes out so there's just like a line it uh, <laughs> the the <clears throat> It pained me every time I saw it. Also the, <laughs> also, the voice acting didn't really do it for me in this segment. Yeah, I, but... I think that was
2: kind of on purpose, though. Because I, I think it. it's yeah. supposed to be, like, pulpy and low-budget feeling. Um, which I think it, it ma- manages pretty admirably. Yeah, I guess
1: it's classic, that's true. Bad on purpose. And at yeah. one
2: point, there's, like, a, a music thing in the background that's, like, clearly taken from The Exorcist.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
2: Um, so yeah, the the idea is like her boyfriend goes down into the basement and then doesn't come back so she goes down and like um she finds his crutch cuz he's on crutches he hurt himself recently. Um and she, you know, like there's there's a fridge that's moving so she opens it and he like jumps out and tries to scare her and she whacks him with the crutch.
0: Yeah. That's um, that's your big mechanic is that you have control over hitting With the crutch,
2: (laughs) crutch, and things go freaking flying when you hit them with the crutch so hard. This is where I like I had a problem because my game bugged out and I couldn't swing the crutch like the first three times. And then I unplugged my because I also had my controller plugged in,
3: Mm. um,
2: and that one didn't register either. But then I like unplugged it and like paused and restarted the game, uh, and then I was able to do it. So
1: yeah, Um, I
2: spent a few, I spent a while going like, how the hell am I supposed to get out of this sequence? Like the crutch swings once at the beginning of the scene automatically. It really seems like I should be able to swing this crutch, but I can't. Um, And I looked it up and it's like, yeah, swing the the crutch to open the door. And I'm like, okay, my game is bugged. Um, So it took me a while to get that fixed. But once I got it fixed, it was fine the rest of the time. Um, So you, um, you know, you go back upstairs and then the hook hand guy is like stalking you. So you have to get around him. And then like, the end of the comic book is that, like, it turns out it was, like, all the monsters from her past career had gathered to, like, um, you know, make a, uh...
0: It was, like, a surprise party of yeah, some like time. Yeah, like, a surprise
2: party, but also involved killing her. It was, like, a surprise kill her party. Yeah. Um, it was, it's kind of weird, because it's presented as sort of a happy ending, um, because she gets to, like, scream again at the end. Yeah. Uh, but... Then And, like, there's an off, like, hand thing in the comic of, like, you know, they never found her boyfriend Sam. The police thought he must have done it, but we know it was, you know, these monsters. I think the implication is that he did do it, and, like, his boyfriend just, her boyfriend just murdered her. Yeah. Um, I, I assume that is the, what they're
0: implying. Has yeah, like, the
1: it? only... Or the monster ate her.
0: Yeah. The <laughs> only thing they found of her was her ear in the music box. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, Yeah. This is another one of those sort of, I mean, I guess Molly's death wasn't very ambiguous because she, she it was, it was clearly she poisoned herself, but this was like, this one was, was pretty yeah, ambiguous.
2: Molly's was a little bit ambiguous too because like, she never, Molly herself never points to the things she ate as the reason for her death. Yeah. She like thinks of it as the monster coming to get her. Mm
3: hmm.
1: Should I feel bad for like assuming that she turned into a cat instead of hallucinating? <laughs>
2: <laughs> Assuming that's what really happened.
1: I was like, yeah. I think that's, uh,
2: that's fair. I mean, uh, like, Edith says as much. She's like, I don't know if, like, the individual, like, people who wrote these things believed these stories, but I bet Edie believed them. Yeah. Um, something like that. So.
0: Yeah. Um, um I
2: guess it's a kind of, you know, believe what you will
0: sort of thing. <laughs> yeah. And then the other thing is that, like, uh, like, we know theoretically that Milton like didn't officially ever die he just disappeared and they never found him uh, like Barbara they would never mention her like disappearance except for Walter Walter like specifically says like ever since Barbara's disappearance uh, hmm. so that's that's like the thing that I'm like that's uh. okay so
2: maybe yeah so it's really ambiguous we kind of don't know what happened to Barbara
0: but I, except I just,
2: maybe they found her ear
0: yeah or maybe that I, was just part of the comic.
2: Yeah, un, unclear. I kind of think probably the boyfriend did it. Yeah, so do I. Occam's razor, yeah, but exactly. Um, they, I mean, it it is you know it is left ambiguous. So if you want to interpret it differently, if you want to interpret it as monster party, then it can be monster party. Yep. Um, I don't know. I think the regardless of execution, I do think the like playing the comic book as like a, you know, alternative sequence of it was, was pretty cool. Um, all right. So you get out of Barbara's story. Uh, the next one is Walter's story. So you find, you get down into the like basement because, oh, and this is kind of a cool thing. So um, when you're exploring the house, the first time you find this music box and the music box features in the comic. And it's like, oh yeah, there's a key to the basement there hidden if you turn it far enough in one direction. Um, And so when you come back, you now have access to, to like, you can get the music box, which you saw previously. Uh, So in the comic, you've seen the music box previously. When you get the music box key, now you can go into the basement, which you've seen in the comic
3: previously.
2: So you have an idea of how the basement looks, quote-unquote, as interpreted through the lens of the comic. Uh, And you get down there, and it's, like, much more... Like well organized and clean and nice than it was presented in the horror comic. Understandably, yeah.
1: Also, it's sort of weird that this comic has so much knowledge about this house.
2: Yeah, I'm sure they like interviewed people for it or something. I don't know.
0: Either uh, that, or it's just a storytelling device in the game. Yeah, like, that I didn't question very much.
2: Yeah, <laughs> I mean it's yeah, it's pretty far fetched. But the other you question
1: know. is, can you get the key?
2: before. before
1: I don't
0: know. You Probably cannot. Not. You cannot.
1: It stops you... Can you can only turn it
3: the other direction.
2: Yeah,
0: yeah well, because you, you wind it and then it pops open, and as soon as it pops open and starts, like, playing the song and the the, the like, figure inside starts, like, spinning, then you just stop. Automatically. Like, the game yeah. stops you from spinning anymore. I, I did try it on my second playthrough just to see, <laughs> just to see, like, yeah. can I sequence part this? So, you can't. But no. no.
2: Um. The... You do a lot of stuff in this game That's based on like moving your mouse The way you would be moving your hand Like move push the mouse forward To push open a door And like slide the journal closed And like turn the key in the thing And some of them worked well And some of them because the mouse speed was so slow Felt like really annoying and arduous Mm -hmm. Like closing the journal Was always really hard for me Because I had to like move my mouse Like pick up my mouse and move it over twice In order to do the full motion Yeah Um, so that was a little tedious. But, like, it's a cute idea. I just think, like, the execution on that is also not always 100%. Yeah, it
0: it was a little nicer with, uh, with, uh, controller, which is how I played it the second time. Um, also, on controller, the action button is one of the triggers, which we, I I know we're fans of, because it's, like, grabbing onto a thing Mm
3: -hmm.
2: with
0: a trigger, so.
2: Yeah, that makes sense. Mm -hmm. Um, okay, so... You get, so you go to the basement, uh, and the basement has a passage uh, into a bunker.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: Uh, apparently, there was like a survival bunker uh, there, and it's the Walter, the uncle, lived there and just like survived on canned peaches and like food and like did not leave this bunker. Apparently, even when like edith was there like he was living there a long time
0: yeah he she she just never knew her uncle was living in the basement until 2005 yeah like i guess uh the implication is that barbara's death slash disappearance slash whatever happened to her um fucked him up so bad that he just went and lived in this bunker for 30 years
2: yeah it's like there's a monster outside i can't go back out there um, so I'm just gonna live in this bunker forever, and most of what you do in that sequence is open cans of peaches, mm-hmm. like use the can opener to open peaches over and over, yep, um, and then eventually you like break out um not back into the house, but like through a brick wall in the basement um and you go out into it's like, like a... the open world, and he's like all I wanted was just like one day of not monotonous routine that's like. I would have you know I didn't care if I only had like a year to live or a month to live or even just a day I just wanted not the routine anymore and then he gets hit by a train
0: yeah the um, the, the hole you open up opens up into the side of like a railway tunnel mm-hmm. and he like he talks about like there being like a monster and in in his segment like the, the whole oh, the like bunker shaking. the yeah. whole bunker vibrates and that's like a train going by and he just never knew it uh, <laughs> okay. and then he gets hit by the train yeah yeah,
1: is... And the train That's tracks sad. goes straight into the ocean.
2: Yeah, you find out later when you when you approach it, not in the flashback, but in like present day as Edith, the train tracks go right into the ocean.
1: They... So
0: like
2: was there a train previously? Or I, I
0: noticed that and it looks like if you look past where it like past and to the right, uh you can see more train tracks. So I'm assuming that there was just like a like the train tracks like fell into the ocean and they just yeah, never the, repaired him
2: There was a fall off edge of the cliff yeah i kind of thought that might be the case but, like since then the train is no longer runs through this area See,
0: the, the thing that i thought had happened at the beginning was that and this this is like such a stupid assumption to make it doesn't make any sense that like the um the place where you break through the wall is just like the end of the tunnel and it it's just like a dead end there. So I was like, why would there be a train going to this dead end? And then I was like, oh wait, it's the side of the tunnel. I'm an idiot. Um, <laughs> yeah. So yeah. yeah, a lot of confusion around this train, train thing here. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, that's Walter. All right.
2: So then you get to Sam. Um, so Sam was the, uh, older of the two twins the, of Sam and Calvin um, and he joined the marines mm-hmm. as soon as he could because he like wanted to get the fuck away from the house as you might expect um, given you know living with his dead brother for so long Yeah, and Sam, and, Sam is
0: uh, Edith's grandfather
2: yeah uh, and the father of the like next generation because there was a next generation yeah um, so he's the father of three children, um, two boys, and uh, Edith's mother.
0: Mm-hmm. Don, and, Gus, and Gregory.
2: Yeah. And so his story is also told from a super interesting perspective, which is behind a camera lens. Um, so every, like, his is told in a set of sequences where you start with a camera, you're looking through a camera and it's blurry, and what you have to do is find a specific thing in the scene and photograph it, and then it takes you to the next scene.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, and so it's about him taking his daughter Dawn on a hunting trip because because of the family curse, he's convinced that she needs to know how to shoot a gun in order to protect herself.
0: You gotta be strong. Uh, yep.
2: And also because, you know, he was a marine
0: Yeah. Like Also, I... Um, Presumably, my favorite thing about Sam's bedroom, by the way, is that if you look at his bed, he has a convenient bedside axe. That's just like there's like brackets in the frame of the bed, and there's just like a a, a fucking hatchet just like sitting there. <laughs> and and I want I, like that's future <laughs> you plans. Want a bedside I, need, axe? I need a convenient bedside axe for self defense or nice. late late night wood chopping. So, yeah.
2: Um and so the it's a hunting trip. Dawn like clearly does not want to shoot a deer. Like she's uncomfortable with killing things. Um, she mostly just wants to read. So there's some mm-hmm. places where you, at first you are Sam taking the pictures and you take a few pictures of her um, and you know, some wildlife and things. Um, and then, uh, then you're Dawn behind the camera and she takes a couple pictures of Sam and some wildlife. And she notices a deer and then you are Sam again and she's going to shoot the deer and you you try and get a picture of the deer as she's shooting it so in that one when you press the shutter on the camera it also triggers her shooting the gun um and so then and she she kills the deer up on this like little rocky precipice which you already know is bad news because everybody in this family dies in weird ways stay away from rocky precipices yes. um and so the last one is the camera is when you press the button instead of taking the picture, you're actually setting a timer because he wants to be like in a picture next to her, like holding the deer that she shot um which is kind of cool because you press the button and then it gives you back control of the the character, but in the third per- or in, in like second person, so the camera it's
1: is not still clear
2: yeah, it took me a second to get um to understand what was going on for sure um but you control the character even though you're still looking from the static viewpoint of the camera which was sort of interesting and, mm-hmm. and odd
0: also uh, if you don't get to the the point where you need to be in time the camera just goes off and sam's like oh wait sorry honey like dawn is hold like by this deer that she has shot and she's crying yeah. she is very distraught and the camera goes off and sam just says oh sorry honey i got to reset the camera i got <laughs> yeah, to go go wait the timer like Jesus,
2: um, yeah, so you like i I can probably count on one hand the number of second person sequences that I've seen in games, but like I always find them like really fascinating um, so
1: i I looked into this a couple of years ago, yeah, and I know too many now,
2: okay, I know one other one that I'm very familiar with is there's a there's a sequence in a boss fight in one of the in Kingdom Hearts, too that does that, mm. where you are actually seeing it from the the point of view of the enemy who is trying to snipe you, and you're running around and you have to, like, return the sniper bullets at him.
0: Oh,
1: yeah, boss fight is probably the most common one.
2: Yeah, I, I, there's one from, like, an older game, I want to say, like, Battletoads or something um, that's like that. Uh, so it's,
1: Yes, it's... but it's, like, it's, it's a side-scroller, so it's hard to say, like
2: yeah what... it count yeah that's fair, um, but yeah, so second person sequence, um, so you set the timer on the camera, you run up to the top, and Don says, like the deer's still twitching, like uh, that's weird, and he's like, it's okay, that's perfectly normal, and then the deer like like staggers up and like butts head butts him off the edge of the cliff,
0: and yeah, and the photo is like snapped while... As he and the deer are like plunging to their deaths,
2: and they put that photo on the memoriam table. Which why would you do that?
0: Yeah,
2: <laughs> like that's literally the photo of the guy's death. Come on.
0: Yep. Uh, uh, so that's Sam, and then you go through a crawl space that leads to the bedroom that was shared by Dawn and her two brothers.
2: Right. Um, and her brothers are uh, Gregory and Milton. Gus. Um sorry, Gregory and yes. Gus. Yes. Uh, Milton was another character. Mm-hmm. Um Gregory and Gus and uh, Gregory died at 1 year old. Like he was just a baby. And he also has a like a really lovely fun session to play.
0: Yeah. Which <laughs> cuz you're, I think they kind of had to do it that way because how else are you going to package baby death? Yeah, so... exactly.
2: It's uh cuz it's it's all about like the narration is like a, a Po- not a poem, but, like, it's it's actually from the di- divorce proceedings. It's, I think... Uh, where it's, like, his dad uh, saying a letter to the mom about how, like, about the baby, saying, like, this wasn't your fault, but I, like, really wish, like, I felt like he saw the world in an interesting way, even as a baby, and I, like, wish he could have been old enough to tell us about that. Mm -hmm. And so you see this, like, great magical realism section where you're, like, a baby in a bathtub and you're controlling this little, like, wind-up frog in the bathtub Mm
3: -hmm. and
2: making it, like, leap around and, like gather rubber duckies and, like, pop bubbles,
0: and... Yeah, and the rubber duckies are, like, swimming around, like, in a like, uh, concentric circles, like, it's a synchronized swimming routine. Yeah, there's, like, a little
2: ballet music in the background. Yeah.
0: It's, it's, it it is really lovely. Uh, and then, like, the ex-wife, his mother, uh, Kay is there, and, like, Sam calls her on the phone. Mm -hmm. And then he's like, I wish I had never called. And then while, uh, while the mother is preoccupied with the phone uh you as gregory controlling the frog you somehow turn the water on and the implication is that he drowns in the bathtub
2: yeah there's a sequence where you're like swimming through this like super colorful underwater space and you're green like the frog Mm -hmm. uh and it's like and you you go you go down the drain you like unplug the drain and you go down the
0: drain and like all of your little like bath bathtub toys are like waving goodbye to you as you go down the drain it's it's so macabre and so whimsical like it's yeah it's really i think this one is one of my favorites it's really good
2: it's well done yeah um and yeah it's disturbing (laughs) but actually um We'll get to my. I think my favorite is actually one of the later ones, but we'll get to
0: it. Yeah, um, we probably have the same favorite. Yeah. <laughs> uh,
2: so, so you get uh, you get that's Gus's story, and then the next one is sorry that that's Gregory. Gregory's story, and then you get Gus's story, um, which is about at the remarriage mm-hmm. of uh, yeah. Sam. So he's like getting married a second time. And his son, from the first marriage, Gus, is, like, upset about it, and, like, refuses to come down on the beach for the ceremony, and just keeps flying his kite. Like, all he wants to do is fly this kite, and you you control the kite in this story. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's, it's, like, in verse, because, uh...
0: It's it's a poem, I think, that Don... Yeah,
2: wrote the poem? Yeah, Don, I think, wrote the poem for him. Um... And it's it's a little bit, like, kind of tongue-in-cheek and sarcastic for how dark the subject matter is, but that's this family, I guess. Um, and it's just, you know, about him flying the kite, and they all went, uh, like, it started to rain a little bit, so they all went into the, the tent for the rest of the reception, except for Gus. Gus kept flying the kite, and then I, I assume he was hit by lightning,
0: yeah I don't know, I don't know if it was lightning or if if there was just like if it was storm. a windstorm, yeah, but he yeah. died somehow um
2: yeah, some debris knocked into him or like he got struck by lightning. something bad happened with I him mean, out there, yeah,
1: in the mission he gets hit by the tent, yeah, yeah, the
2: tent like blows up and around him. but in the in the poem or in the the story that they mentioned that like they didn't know anything had happened to him until much later like after the party was over and they went out and they found his body so like i it can't have been the tent that they were all in was destroyed because then like they would have noticed
0: yeah presumably either so, that or, or the tent like did blow away and they took cover in the house and nobody thought to nobody like thought to look for Gus until later but either yeah, yeah either way something as
2: as usual it's a little ambiguous but mm-hmm. you know it's a kind of take what you want sort of thing hmm Um, and then you get to you start to get to the next generation, which is um uh the narrator Edith's um siblings, uh starting with Lewis. And uh yeah, Lewis is probably my
0: favorite. Yeah.
2: Um so Lewis was kind of uh
0: He was like, a stoner
2: he was a stoner you you do actually first go through dawn's bedroom you don't actually get dawn's memoriam segment um but you get uh you find out that she like went off to india for a while to like build houses as part of a charity thing and that's where she met her husband um so the the three kids are biracial and,
0: and so you and do you find out that uh or do you find out later that that her husband uh like died in some kind of natural disaster
2: I don't remember that. Do we find that out? Yeah,
0: there's, so there's
2: like, I the, know we see his grave at some point.
0: Yeah, there's the class. They never like spell it out. It's only in like uh, environmental stuff. Um, but there's the classroom where like Dawn, uh, was a teacher. Yeah. So she homeschooled, I guess, um, Edith, Lewis, and Milton. Um, uh, yeah. and then in, in the classroom, like by her desk, there's a little like memorial. There's like a Bible and some incense, uh, and a, photo of sanjay i think and then also there's like a newspaper clipping that says oh. it was like a landslide or or something and he was killed in that he was like okay. a first responder i think
2: oh um, uh, yeah that makes sense
0: yeah so so that's yeah it, i so. it, it felt a little weird to me that she never like specifically commented on her father's death but I, yeah, it it sort of makes sense because it's like he married into the family. He wasn't like a Finch, I guess. Yeah. For...
2: Um, yeah. She does comment on how her brother Lewis was like really proud of being half Indian, um, and that that was like an important part. His heritage was important to him, and um, in part because like it seemed more interesting to him than like his the rest of his life. Um, so he was kind of a stoner. Uh he has like a kind of a cool groovy pad that's like in a sort of a boat up yeah. on that's like perched up on top of the house precariously. Oh no, you go through Oh
0: you um, do go through Milton's mountains. room first. Yeah. Um when when he was ten years old, Edie gave him a castle.
2: Yeah. So he's got like this weird little uh like atrium type thing on top of the house. Uh and you go in and there's a uh like his his Easels, like his artwork and stuff, because um, he was a painter. And there's a little flip book about like how he got a magic paintbrush and used it to like draw a tunnel, and then went into the tunnel and stayed there. And he's the one who disappeared, mm-hmm. so we don't know what happened to him.
0: Yeah. Also, I refuse to believe that that drawings of that caliber were made by a ten year old. Maybe I'm just <laughs> yeah. maybe I'm just bitter. But, uh, yeah. Also, super jealous of just. The supplies that his family got him when he was ten yeah, years old.
2: A real nice little like
0: art art atelier yeah. up there. But it's... also,
1: he he's clearly magic. He drew yeah. a painting and disappeared into it.
0: And then, yeah, and that same painting that you see in his little flip book is uh, it's it's just in his room, which is which is a cool little like mystery thing, I guess. Yeah.
2: Maybe he did disappear into the painting. Yeah. Like, who knows? Um, and I mean, the flip book is presumably something he himself drew, like, animated drew, so, and it's about him disappearing into this painting, Mm -hmm. and then he disappeared, so who knows?
0: Also, man, fuck you, no kid can animate that good. On paper, on paper, no less. It's a really good animation. Yeah. (laughs) Um, also, I don't, I mean, maybe worth noting, but as you're crawling through these, um, secret passages, uh you see little drawings and paintings that Milton has drawn on the walls of the passages, and Edith sort of comments, like, I guess I guess Milton got here before me. Yeah. Which, it probably contributes to why Don sealed up all the rooms after he disappeared.
2: Yeah. So. Yeah, so there's that. So, and then you get to Lewis, which is the, like, weird houseboat also perched up on the roof.
0: Yeah. He's got, like, a hookah, he's got a bunch of blacklight posters, mm-hmm. uh, like, he's got video games and uh, a computer, two monitors, which would have been... Well, I don't know. I guess this would have been, like, late 2000s, so that's not super uncommon, I guess. Yeah. But, yeah, Lewis had a pretty sick pad, but... Yeah, and
2: uh, he was a... Uh, the, uh, the implication... He had some kind of substance abuse problem. Alcohol is the implication, although could be drugs.
0: Yeah, you see, uh, like... Like, he's got a huge poster that says, legalized Marijuana... And Mm -hmm. you see a pipe at some point. So there's one. You see, like, a six pack of beer. There's another one. You see a couple of pill bottles, which, um, could be, could be illicit, could not. Um, but, but what, what she says is that Lewis, like, blamed himself for Milton's death, kind of hold himself up in his room, um, and, like, increasingly was reticent to leave. Um, after, yeah, after he graduated. Uh, basically, he just kind of hung around until their mom got him a job at the cannery.
2: Yeah, salmon cannery, which there's like tins of salmon all over the kitchen, and uh, she mentions like we were we got sick of salmon very quickly.
0: Mm-hmm. And the the text for his uh, sequence is a letter from his psychiatrist after after yeah. he after his passing that yeah. was written to like his mom. So yeah. I, I guess he had been in in therapy at some point during therapy they had encouraged him to like seek treatment for substance abuse and then after he got clean was sort of when the air quotes trouble began
2: yeah he because he like he couldn't deal with like the mundane reality of being sober and how boring his cannery factory job was uh so he like retreated into himself and his imagination and this is probably my favorite like is, play sequence in the game this is my because favorite, yeah. with your mouse hand <laughs> no with your mouse hand you are just getting chopping the heads off fish like you're grabbing a fish you're taking it over to the like auto guillotine and then you're, once it's headless, you're, like, throwing it down a conveyor belt. And it's this super repetitive motion that you have to keep doing with your right hand the entire time. Mm-hmm. And then with your left hand, you play this, like, fantasy sequence where you're going through, like, it starts as, like, a really simple black and white labyrinth, and it gets more and more elaborate as Lewis retreats further and further into these delusions. Yeah, like,
0: it, it starts, like, I, I I thought of it as a video game because they they did say yeah. that he played a lot of games, so I figured that's yeah. a safe assumption. But, like, it starts off, yeah, like, just as a maze that he's drawn, and then it becomes, like, a top-down 2D uh, game, and then it becomes, like, an isometric game, uh, and it becomes more and more complex visually. And
2: like, full 3D, and yeah. then it's, you know, adding color, and... and- it takes up more and more the screen because mm-hmm. it starts as like a tiny little cloud in the upper corner and then it grows and grows until it starts to like eclipse all of the stuff and like only the fish itself is on top of the yeah uh... it's just
0: like the fish and your hand yeah and, just... um, and then he it talks about how he sort of comes to the conclusion that um, he knows that it's all in his imagination and yet why can't the creations of his mind be as valid as the real world um yeah. and he sees his sort of dream self as being more valid than his actual physical self because in his dream he like becomes the mayor of a town because he realizes well this is my own creation so i can just do anything so he becomes the mayor and then he just sets off in a boat on a
3: voyage
2: yeah, yeah. yeah.
0: and and like creates like, a kingdom and, yeah. yeah and like he's just like founding cities the entire way. Um and then
2: You and have then a it... choice between like a few little stories like do you save like a queen or a prince? And do you um Do you have a harp for like... an electric sitar? <laughs>
1: yeah. God damn it. <laughs> yeah. The sitar's and,
0: cool. <laughs> I, I took the harp, but <laughs> I did I the I electric t- sitar Yeah. Um and then and then at some point uh, it, it, it puts you into like a first person, and you're going to, as Lewis, yeah. You're the, going... game, the
2: game advances from isometric to first person. Yeah,
0: and you're going to like be crowned uh, king of all the lands of wonder. Yeah, and and the... part of the path up to the the throne room
2: is through the canning factory. Like mm-hmm. you actually see your body from an outside perspective, and he's doing the motions of chopping the fish even though the conveyor belts aren't running and like there are no fish
0: yeah they they say at one point that like one day lewis forgot to come home from the cannery even though like his mother came and was pleading with him but at that point he was just so like lost in his own mind that he was completely unaware of anything so yeah that part was uh cool you you, it's, like you would think that they would do something other than just be like well he's here and he he apparently is not in any mental state fit to leave so let's just leave him
2: like, yeah. ah. So he's just there after hours like sitting in front of his machine doing the same motion over and over but you walk past him like you don't go back and re-inhabit your body you just walk past that body and through the next door and you're in like this golden throne room and it's all beautiful again uh, and you approach the dais.
0: Mm-hmm. And you're going to be crowned king, and all you have to do is bow your head. And you bow in, but, into yeah. a guillotine. And... Yeah, the
2: like, bowed head where you're getting crowned, Like there's a guillotine set up right in front of it, and you're like, shit.
0: Because yeah.
2: that's basically how you've been beheading the salmon, is like there's a little automatic guillotine mm-hmm. on your left that like just keeps going and keeps like. Beheading the fish as you hold it under.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh, I was
2: really worried in the beginning that you were going to end up like chopping your hand off as part of this.
0: Yes, yeah, but so no. I.
2: Apparently, he kills himself by doing this.
0: Yeah, he just uh, uh, yeah puts his head yeah. in there.
2: Yeah,
0: and that's the end of it.
2: Yeah, and that's the that's the funeral that like uh, the main character that that Edith was coming from apparently <laughs> at the beginning of this. So Was it? You know, I
3: thought I thought nah, it was favorites. Uh... I, I thought it, be
2: was... it was her brother's funeral. And no, that's... I thought
0: it. I thought it was her mom's funeral. Really? Yeah. I thought it was her brother's funeral. No, okay, because maybe... I think her brother. No, was they,
1: dead. they have they have a conversation with her mom and her grandmother about it being only them left.
0: Yeah, it's so. The next sequence is like you see the deaths of Edie and of Dawn. Um yeah. and it starts with a sequence where Well before just... that you
2: like go outside and you I think this is actually before Lewis and Milton even, but you like go outside and you um you wander around the family graveyard. Yeah. That's, and you like that's see everybody's like, graves.
0: That's way before. I think that's uh, that's before, before you go before up you on you the roof. And
2: that's actually um yeah, you're right, that is before Sam. Um and As part of that, actually, she mentions that she's pregnant. She's like, man, if I'd known that this trip through memory lane was going to require so much climbing, I wouldn't have done it when I was 22 weeks pregnant.
0: Which is funny because, like, it's sort of implied um, that she's, you know, she has to be writing this journal for someone, ostensibly, because she is specifically writing it, like, as though she's explaining it to someone else. Like, I, I guess that's supposed to be a big reveal, but I totally called it because of my tendency to, like, in first-person games, it's always like, look down, do I have a body? Yeah. And I I looked down, and I actually did, like, a double take. I was like, look down, look back up, wait a minute, is that a baby bump? And it totally <laughs> I was. Didn't,
2: I didn't even notice. I looked down far enough to see the, um, the, like, necklace she's wearing, uh, but I guess I was, like, kind of in shadow at the time, so I didn't really notice.
0: Yeah, and... yeah
1: I did the uh, look down, ooh, that's a cool necklace, and then look down, ooh, that's cool shoes, oh. Is she pregnant? <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
0: Yeah. Um uh,
2: So yeah, sorry. Um so now yeah, now that all that's left is the only two people left in the story are your mother and great grandmother. So your namesake Edie, um, who like treasures the house and wants to, you know, keep living with these stories and cares about them. Mm-hmm. And your mother who wants to get away from this place. And the, cur- the family curse, and is convinced that it's like staying in this house that's resulted in everybody's death.
0: And... Actually, okay. I think I figured out what happened. The the comp- so the the scene plays out. You're sitting at the dinner table with your mother and your great grandmother, and your mother is trying to convince your great grandmother to get put into a home, or she she she's not even trying to convince her. She just has decided that this is what's going to happen. Yeah. This is immediately after Lewis's funeral. Mm-hmm. So that's that's where you see Lewis's funeral.
2: Yeah, because you do past. see like a flyer on the, the kitchen about Lewis's funeral, yeah. right?
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, um, so Dawn just says, you know what? Actually, we're leaving tonight. We're not waiting until tomorrow. We'll have the nursing home send a van to pick you up, Edie. Uh, 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 and then like Dawn just like, they just leave all their shit. Go into the van or their truck and leave. And Edie or Edith says, "Like that's the last time I saw my great grandmother." So yeah, she like died before the van even came to pick her up the next day. Yeah, and presumably, then, and then I think they
2: they say something like, "When the when the van came, she was already gone." Which, yeah. she, she was either dead or she like disappeared in one of the various mysterious ways of the family. Who knows?
0: Yeah, what uh. There's, there's a sequence where she's telling she wrote Edith a story about the night she was born uh, and like the night you were born there was an earthquake out at sea so the, the tide went out lower than it had in centuries and I was able to walk out to the house like the yeah. old house that was yeah, shipwrecked house um, and so that's just like a sequence of walking through fog uh, yeah. and and Edie's, Edie's like narrating it mm-hmm. uh and then they, like, they sort of roll the two together. Um, Then you leave the house, and she talks about how, like, her mom didn't like to mention it, but she started getting sick all the time. She kept getting sick, and then she would get better, and then she would get sick again, and then she died. Yeah. So then that was, like, the funeral that that led you back to the house. Yeah, because...
2: and she, yeah. And then, like, pretty much immediately as part of that sequence, uh, Edith talks about, like... I really hope I'm going to be around... Like, I've been writing this journal, but I really hope that, like, you never read it because I want to just tell you all these stories in person. But if you're reading this, I guess that didn't happen. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the last sequence you're, is sort of, like, her child's birth. You're yeah. kind of in, like, a purple tunnel walking towards a vaguely, you're like, not popular even, you're, opening.
0: You're, you're floating down there. Yeah. So that is, that is, yeah, that is definitely a birth.
2: Yeah, there's a sort of, like somewhat stylized but heavily implied like birth you know you walk towards a white light you you know exit into the real world kind of thing and that's that's the end of the game isn't it
0: yeah you you see your son and he has come to the house uh and he puts a bouquet of lilies and the um the journal on your grave which is now present in the graveyard because you're dead yeah. So,
2: well, I mean you in as much as the
0: You in as much as you, Edith
2: the narrator, like yeah. we've had we actually started as maybe this kid yeah, on the boat do. in the beginning. So mm.
0: um
2: and Edith was only eighteen when she died. Yeah. Like yeah. or possibly even still seventeen, but like this, it's really sad. Yeah. She was very young. And we don't know I mean, like who the father compared was or to the other ones yeah that's fair. yeah. <laughs> uh, we don't know anything about like who the father was or like what the whole deal was.
0: Mm-hmm. I guess
2: we assume that she died in childbirth.
0: Yeah, I guess that's like the assumption that makes the most sense. Again, Occam's razor, so yeah, yeah, uh, what and then like the last thing in the journal is like, I know this is a big ask, but I don't want you to be sad for me. I want you to be amazed that we even had the chance to be here at all. Yeah, there's a good good closing line.
2: Yeah.
1: This game really doesn't like talking about people outside the family.
2: <laughs> yeah. They're all very secondary. I mean it is a it is a game about the family's curse pretty yeah. much. So that that sort of makes sense, but mm-hmm. yeah, it's a game about this dynasty and their curse and their deaths. But as she points out like it's more kind of astonishing that any of like, you know, in all the universes that like any of them existed at all and like it's it's they're kind of the family's wonderful, not tragic, and yeah. Like, and, please I mean, remember on, it that way. On a
0: more micro scale, it's amazing that any of them are here at all because, uh, out of five children that Edie had, only one of them survived long enough to to have, have their children. own children. <laughs> My God, the odds are not great. And,
2: and of the three children that that person had, only one of them survived long enough to yeah. have children. And of
0: those three, only one of them. Yeah. Like, whoa, this is this is like, like bad Russian roulette odds for sure. (laughs) Uh, Yeah,
2: it's a cool game, and I really love the way they keep switching between like these different modalities. And there's like so many little mini games. Like to bring it back to like Dear Esther, like there's so much more to do. Like everything is something to do. Yeah. And even if it's just, you know, a little brief thing and there's not much in the way of controls and it's, it's still not what you would necessarily call a game. Um, the, actually the weirdly the gamiest one is maybe the one with the baby where you're like actually trying to aim the frog to land on certain things. Yeah. Um, but it still feels like way more dense and the story is much more concrete and Like easy to follow and it like takes you on a journey with it, but it still has good sort of tone and melancholy and it's funny sometimes and sad sometimes and just I'm I'm think really like not not a hundred percent perfect execution every single time with all the pieces, but considering how many different things they did, I think like remarkably good execution overall.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah, I Uh, I
1: I mean. I dis- I think I dislike every single minigame. Really? Really?
2: Not even the, yeah. like, rolling down
0: a hill as a shark? But-
1: I mean, so you, sure. Did you but that was like, like them, two seconds.
0: Did you dislike them because of the mechanics and not because of the content? Both. Okay, that's fair. I, I was just, I, I I was just the,
1: asking. I think the, the fun thing was, like, looking at the house. This really weird house with really interesting characters living there.
0: I I do, I think it would be cool if there was an optional mode, like, you know, an unlockable mode maybe that just lets you walk around the house and look at things, like all the doors are open. Like, like one of the first rooms that you see with a peephole is the library, and it's one of the last rooms that you see in a flashback, uh, because um, Edith goes in there because Edie has left her a present, and there's a secret path that... uh, her, mom didn't, that her know about. mom didn't know about because the library has also been sealed off for some reason like there's no re- reason to seal off a library but um like it's one of oh, the first she said rooms... something about
2: how like every member of her family is buried under the library or something like that in the beginning
0: i think that was like a metaphorical thing yeah where, like it, it, i think
2: so too but like it's clearly yeah. still associated with their deaths in yeah. her
0: mind i guess i guess it's like the knowledge the yeah. forbidden knowledge that that her mother didn't want her to get but it's like it's one of the first rooms that you see Through the peephole on the first floor, it's one of the last rooms that you see in a flashback, and and yet we never actually get to go in there and really look around. In the
2: real world time, yeah. Yeah,
0: like, even though after the game is completed, we know about the secret passageway, at no point can you access the secret passageway, even though you should be able to access it from the outside, because we clearly see her accessing it from the outside in the flashback. So I, I I think it would be cool to have a like a free mode where you can just kind of explore the house without without any like narration or anything just go in and look around especially because they clearly put so much time and effort into into building it and and populating it with objects like that that you know have text and character to them
2: yeah although Um, some of the the books the book spines do repeat they do i noticed (laughs) i looked long enough to notice Oh, yeah, absolutely.
1: There's a lot of cookbooks.
2: There's so many books in the house. Mm-hmm. The house is, like, packed full of books. Yeah, like... Every yeah. little side space has, like, and, a full ton of books.
0: And, like, you can... you, I think the best thing about all the books is that um, they're, like, semi-unique to the characters whose spaces they appear in. So, like, all of Barbara's books are about, like, Hollywood and the film industry and breaking into acting. Like, Gus has, like... uh. Gus, I don't think we mentioned this. Gus was like basically a punk, like he he like has his hair in a mohawk and was like into graffiti and stuff. He's but, like, the kite kid. Yeah, the kite kid. Uh, uh, he had a copy of like the Constitution for kids and like stuff about like politics and um, activism and stuff. Uh, mm-hmm. Like I I, oh, I just like the character that you get just from looking at at yeah. each there person's is good... books.
2: There is good, like, environmental narrative in this walking simulator. Although
0: although I will say, uh, my my constant gripe, I think I talked about this when we played Tacoma, is that none of the packaging design ever looks believable. (laughs) (laughs) Which is fine. I appreciate that it's there. There's Uh, much
2: less of the, um. You can, I think, zoom in on things mm -hmm. by clicking, but they're, like, visually, but there's much less of the, um you know, the Fulbright, uh, like, pick, pick up, up objects and look at them and turn it, them around in your hands. And all of the text
0: of on it, yeah. yeah. Yeah.
2: So there's much less overall packaging design than yeah. in those games.
0: And, and again, it's, <laughs> I, I always appreciate it that, that it's there, but uh, it, <laughs> none of it looks real, but I like being able to, like, look at it. Like, it, you know, yeah, it, it's part of, you know, the environmental storytelling
1: I kind of wish there was, like, some nuance to it, though, where, like, a character isn't defined by a single a single trait. It's so, like yeah. Barbara is only, like, she's an ex-movie star. I thought, yeah, Barbara... That's all she's about.
0: Barbara's, like, weird in that way. I think she was the most one-dimensional out of all of them, because, like, Walter, like, yes, he was a crazy man who lived in the basement, but he was like really into music because you always saw that he had a radio like playing or there was always a radio in spaces associated with him like and and sam was like a military man but he was also uh like a photographer he did taxidermy um yeah like like a lot of them had secondary traits but i agree barbara was weirdly (laughs) one-dimensional yeah
2: um, yeah, and to some extent, in a narrative, there's, like, a fine line, especially in a in a story with this many characters, you need to give them, you need to give the audience something to hold on to, because if everybody is too many things, you start to lose track of who's who. Yeah. Um, and it was already a little difficult to keep track of, like, who was in what generation and, like, all the pieces. So, to some extent, I think that was a little bit of a necessity. Um that they couldn't get too much deeper than they did.
1: Maybe, maybe I just there's so many characters.
2: There are so many characters. <laughs> yeah, and I like that they give you like about halfway through they give you kind of a break where you just sort of go outside and like wander around the beach for a little bit and like look at the graves and like look at the look through a little telescope out at the the beached house out in the water and it's. Like, I kind of I feel like you that's like a much needed breather at that point.
0: Yeah, because at that point you've gone through I think Molly, Barbara, uh, Walter and Calvin and Odin. Yeah i uh, yeah,
2: so which, you're about which, half is, which is
0: roughly half yeah I, I also um, I like the pacing of the little vignettes um, like in, in that they were pretty variable.
2: Yeah, some and and a lot of them were really short, which was kind of necessary. Yeah, <laughs> like if you had one each, if each one had been as long as Molly's, oh, I was a little worried about that. When you, it fills in fills in Molly's pictures, and I saw like, oh shit, are we gonna have to fill in the picture for all of these characters? Are all of these characters gonna have that much content? Yeah, I'm like shit. But yeah. most of them are much shorter.
0: Yeah, I um. I feel like Molly was probably, like, the proof of concept for this game. That yeah. they that they really, really, like, hammered out.
2: Yeah, I bet that's what they showed at, like, conventions as their demo
0: and stuff. Yeah. Um, what was I going to say? I had another thing that I forgot. Uh, I
2: because of the shark.
0: Yeah, def- <laughs> definitely the shark. Uh, I lost it. It doesn't matter. Something, something
2: about how the length of the scenes, or the mm. fact that midway through there's a
0: there's a rest point. I think it, it was related to that, but I don't remember. What. Or the
1: fact that they have a six-slotted toaster.
0: Do they? Oh, I didn't see that.
1: Thank I mean, you.
2: It's, it's a big toaster. Damn. There were a lot of people living in the house at various points. Yeah, I mean, I also, guess. Yeah. If a you... lot of them died at various points too. So.
0: Yeah. Uh. Like, like theoretically. Uh, like Edie, Don, Lewis, Milton, Edith, not Sanjay. I think Sanjay. Uh, I don't think San. Yeah, no, because I think they came back to to Washington after Sanjay died.
1: Mm. Yeah, yeah, they kept talking about she moved back to the house yeah, after he died.
0: Yeah, because she did say that after after Don graduated, she moved to India, and that's where like like she like started her family with Sanjay there. And I guess after he died, then... Uh, yeah,
2: it's, I guess a lot of people have lived in the house over the ages, but they don't, like, reuse any of the rooms that people have died in. Yeah, that's so, the weird part. <laughs> yeah, everybody has their own room, even though a lot of them were not contemporary at all. Yeah. Um Yeah, like, you would think, like, Edith, like, uh, Edith could have just gotten Molly's old room. <laughs>
0: Yeah, like I'm thinking about it. Molly's room sat empty literally for 70 years. <laughs> yeah.
1: And also, this is a family oh, we, that they say like they accept death in the family, sort of.
0: Yeah.
2: You know, we also didn't mention how Sven died, which is pretty hilarious. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, <laughs> right, I can you see, remember. That's well, kind of when the best you're approaching. Too. <laughs> when you're approaching the house for the first time, there's like a little pond in the front. Uh, And there's, like, a big, what looks like a big, like, almost a, like, a parade float of a dragon, like, just broken down in the, like, and covered in, you know, mold and moss and algae and stuff in the pond. And if you look at it closely, it kind of looks like the pieces of a water slide. Um, And you later on, when you go down into the basement, which was Sven's, like, woodworking shop. Um, apparently he died trying to, they say he, like, the headlines all say he was killed by a dragon, uh, because he was building this, like, giant dragon slide that was supposed to go, like, around the tree near the house and down into the pond, mm-hmm. and he,
0: like, fell off and got crushed by it. Yeah, and that's, and, like, Edie, ever the, uh, manic pixie dream grandma, uh, <laughs> like, I think, I think Edie says, like, she could have said that he was killed building the slide, but Edie... Edie phrased it as he was killed by a dragon so that's and then there was another bit in Edie's room where they talk about how she was a local celebrity briefly because there was uh, I think there were wildfires and they tried to get her to evacuate and she's like I'm not evacuating over a little fire yeah she stayed in the house which which when your family dies in like
2: odd circumstances like why wouldn't you evacuate your house in a forest fire
0: a lot of bad decisions.
1: To be very, she was, like, the one that didn't care for, like, the curse and...
0: Yeah. Yeah. That's true. Yeah. And, and she was the one who, like, built all of the shrines. Yeah, and probably
2: lived the longest of anyone
0: uh, in the family. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Maybe, uh, Walter, but no. Who, who's the guy in the Wal- basement? Walter was her son.
1: I mean, uh, so, she's the yeah, so she yeah. lived for, the second oldest and died. Yeah.
0: Edie lived like, for ninety-three years. Last? Yeah, she yeah. Was, she was ninety-three when she died. I think if I'm doing my math correctly. Yeah,
2: so, so she's like the only one who like maybe died of old age, <laughs> like who maybe the curse didn't actually get her. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> so yeah. yeah. Anyway, it's a good game. It's a lot of fun and it's really weird. And even though you've heard us describe it, I recommend playing it anyway just because, like, it's kind of a trip to play through, like, all of the different little sequences. Yeah. And,
0: uh, it's cool. Like, I recommend it. There's so much fine detail that we cannot even begin to get into that's just totally worth seeing. So, Yeah. yeah.
2: Yeah. So try out this game. And I'd, like,. I I could maybe dredge up some more stuff to say about it, but we've been going a really long time. Oh, boy, we and, have. Uh, <laughs> and we've talked about two games, and uh, and and sort of three, because we touched on Gone Home a little bit.
0: Yeah. Uh, I mean, we so... talked about, like, Gone Home, and then, uh, like, I kept bringing up a bunch of games because I'm dumb. Uh, <laughs> so, so this yeah, has we, been... we did a
2: brief survey. This has been a brief survey of the walking simulator genre from... 2008 to 2017. Yeah. So, so I, we hope you've enjoyed. I certainly enjoyed. I, it was yeah. really cool for me to to play these two together. And like I said, even though like, I feel like, dear dear Esther is by far the like harder game to play. I still I still liked it. I'm still glad I played it. Yeah. Uh, even though I I wouldn't necessarily like recommend it to everyone.
0: Yeah. Yeah, no, I it, like it's. It's harder to play, and also it's harder to like parse.
2: Yeah, it's a hard game it's, to process. It's just a
0: challenging. It's an, it's thing an English to... class
2: game. It's a. It's a yeah. game that you play in an English or comparative literature class.
0: I mean, like, you're right, but also I, <laughs> I never like read anything that I actually enjoyed in those classes. So well, that's kind I, of my point. <laughs> but I, but I actually like. I mean, we talked about how I like this kind of writing and, uh, unabashedly. So, so you're right, but also I resent that you're right. That's what it comes down to. I mean, it's the, it's the
2: English class. It's an English class game in that if you're doing it because you have to, it's an ease or because you think it's something else. It's an easy thing to like get angry at and be annoyed by, but it's, it's there for a reason and like somewhat if you can approach it on your own terms later as an adult and like in a sort of objective way you can see the importance and the craftsmanship of it right that's kind of what I mean by like English class it's a great
1: game to get angry about
0: (laughs) yeah Yeah, it's a great game to get angry about uh a long time ago you've missed the boat and now you're stuck on the island go climb the aerial please it's the only way (laughs) uh I don't. Uh, uh, I'm yeah. getting. I'm getting. I'm getting tired now, guys. <laughs> yeah, this has been a long. This has been a long episode. This has been a... uh,
2: Let's let's uh let's talk about what we're playing next.
0: Yes, what are we playing next? Next, uh, so this is this is uh gonna be an interesting one for us. Uh, our next game will be From Dust, which is uh you probably know about it. It is the God game from Ubisoft, uh from uh, 2011. Where you basically uh, manipulate terrain in order to uh, facilitate the growth of tiny tiny little tribal mans that you are sort of presiding over. Uh, The interesting thing about this is that uh, like way way back in the day we we all sort of have a false memory of having recorded an episode about this game uh, that doesn't exist
2: Yeah, we checked. It's not on our
0: list of games. It's not on our list of games. It's not even
2: on, like, a secret Hidden Mist episode where the recording went wrong. Yeah,
0: because I think that's happened
2: twice, maybe? At least once. It definitely happened happened for Bioshock.
0: It definitely happened for Bioshock, and I feel like there was one other one, but maybe I'm wrong. But, like, this definitely was not the case for From Dust, uh, but we all remember playing it. And we think we remember talking about it, but uh, apparently yeah. that didn't happen. So, my, so my
2: theory is that we we discussed it informally when we were planning the podcast. That's the only thing I can think of because I even went back and like listened to our introduction episode to see if we talked about it there. We did not.
0: Um, <laughs> the, the other and thing, I, the I, other thing I, I could see is that maybe we talked about it informally, like off off record. Uh, in in relation to Rus, because they're yes. sort of similar.
2: So I was going to go back and listen to that episode, too, because I, I remember Thanarod being part of this discussion, too, mm-hmm. uh, Chris. And um, I, like, tweeted at him, like, do you remember this happening? And he's like, maybe we discussed it as part of discussing Rus, because it's sort of a similar game. Um, but, like, he he also does not remember... <laughs> like he, he had like a vague recollection of hearing the name of the game but he doesn't remember it so
0: yeah so this is like the the mind mystery game and the, we're finally yeah. playing it we are we are closing the loop making it official yeah. yeah whatever whatever like temporal anomaly has spawned this false memory in all of our minds uh, we are correcting it yeah. <laughs> we're gonna butterfly effect the shit out of this <laughs> so so look forward to that Yep.
2: Um, yeah Yeah. It shouldn't be too long I remember it being like in the range of 10 hours or so um, yeah and I
0: think it's I mean there's not like a narrative really associated with yeah. it so it's not it's like it's just a little that.
2: RTS type thing so yeah
0: so yeah from Dust uh, it's probably yep. cheap I would assume uh, yeah play it and uh...
2: we all own it because we <laughs> did mysteriously all play it
0: so yeah, yeah. Um so yeah, we'll be back in two weeks to talk about From Dust. If you would like to join us to talk about From Dust, uh hit us up and come. If you, be if you
2: also have a weird memory of having discussed it and don't know why. Yeah. Maybe you are also meant to be part of this.
0: Yeah, maybe like do you do you have a vague recollection of having been a guest on our podcast, uh and yet there is no uh existing episode that supports that that memory? maybe maybe this is the one maybe we need your help to close this time loop like please for the sake of uh of continuity
3: continuity and
0: and yeah please help us write this wrong (laughs) apparently um yeah from dust that's what we're playing next uh in two weeks all
2: right kelso if they want to be a guest on uh on the podcast, how can they contact
0: you? Uh you can contact me personally on Twitter at at Kelso Time Bomb. Also, uh if if you would rather, you can contact me um also personally, but under the guise of uh of not a personal account, uh at the Twitter for this podcast, which is at feedbackforce. Both of those will work. Um you will get me both times, but one has a slight veil of mystery to it if that's your thing yeah.
2: and also or or more officialness to it if you prefer yeah that's true um also you have an art twitter
0: also i have an art twitter i'm ashamed of how little i've posted so i'm not even gonna I'm not even gonna <laughs> say it if you really want to seek it out you can find it but okay
2: sounds good <laughs> yeah um you can find me on twitter at uh, kyla underscore go uh, I also do a weekly Sunday morning stream, uh, at 10am Pacific, uh, where I play old, uh, games that, like, people have a strong nostalgic association with that i never got to play when they were new, and we kind of see how that holds up. Uh, we're currently in the middle of Super Metroid, um, uh, but I'm not gonna be playing next week because I'm gonna be on a plane, uh, but after that, I should be back and playing Super Metroid, which is, it turns out, a really rad rate game, you guys. <laughs>
0: You know, I Please never played not. I never played Super Metro either. I should do that I
2: should Yeah, do that it's so It's actually it's it's pretty strong. It's holding up so far. It's
1: one um, of my favorite games.
2: Yeah, it's good. Um Carl, how can people contact you?
1: You can follow me on Twitter at Skug3. And that's it for the podcast.
2: Yeah. Thank
0: you.
1: Not this
2: far. Yeah, yeah. Thank you. Thank you, thank you for sticking around.
0: You know, we with that we gotta of rambling. we gotta do one of these long ones every so often, just oh, to yeah. prove that we can do it, to prove I that we got it in us.
2: I mean, to be fair, our our last long one was fairly recent because the beginner's guide, I think, is like our second longest episode after Brothers. So
0: it very well may be uh, that was
2: uh, a very long episode. We had a lot of opinions.
0: about Actually, that that one is longer than this one. It's gonna shake out to be longer than this one for sure, but. Uh, yeah, that's no. fine. Let's see. When was? Thank you
2: for for hanging out. Yeah.
0: I guess the silver case was was almost two and a half hours too. We've been okay. We've been doing a lot of these long ones.
2: We've been going long lately.
0: Uh, hopefully, our next one won't
2: be so long. Yeah. Well, well see. we've already talked about
0: it, so we want to have them. Yeah. We're the same. Exactly. We're we're good. Uh. Anyway, thank you for listening. Seriously, absolutely, from the bottom of my heart. Uh, and we will see you in two weeks for the next episode. Yep. Farewell.
1: Bye. Uh, Bye.